Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What Are You Doing Movie. Go ahead and pop in your DVD or Blu-ray of The Prisoner of Azkaban. Press play and press pause when the Warner Brothers logo fades to window. At the first frame you perceive <laughs> of all, like, suburban neighborhood, press pause. And in a second, I'll say 3, 2, 1, unpause, at which point I'll press play, you'll press play. We'll watch the movie together in perfect sync. It'll be like any other commentary, except, of course, with, like, 15 friends in your head. Your friends at the moment are myself, as always, Teague Christie and Michael Dorkman Scott. Hello. Brian William Fenefter. Greetings. And Eddie the Eddie Doty. Sitting right here, you. And then on the fifth mic, I don't even know who's back there. we got Derek back there. We've got, we've got, it's a packed room. It's a packed room. So, uh, yeah, let's get into this Prisoner of Azkaban business. This is the first time in a Harry Potter franchise that we have a director who isn't Chris Columbus. And, uh-huh. and my God, the change they went with, because it's a, it's a pretty serious change in tone from, from movie two to, to movie three, just from the sort of, uh, we'll say, safe interpretation that Columbus came up with to the much more artistic sort of filmmakery style that Coron came into the game with. And... Uh, that and many other things to talk about in this movie, and let's just get started now. So you're at the point where the Warner Brothers logo has become a like neighborhood street, like we are here. Put your finger on the button, like I'm doing in my thingy here too. Okay, cool. three, two, one, unpause. <clears throat> and here we are. Yeah. Um, I remember there was a collective like thank you, Lord, uh, amongst the community, the fan community when. Uh, Alfonso Corn was uh, announced for this. For me, I he was, was an interesting choice. He was a really interesting choice. For me, I was really excited because he had made already at this point a few films that I was really, really passionate about. Uh, yeah. Most famous coming up right before this was uh, E to Mama Tambien, yeah. uh, which launched a career of Gael Garcia Bernal, and which it actually makes a lot of sense that that movie sort of informed a choice here because that movie is very much about adolescence, finding yourself, new identities, obviously with some very different themes vis-a-vis a Mexican road trip with a mother that you end up getting into a three-way with, with your best friend, whatever. Uh, but but prior to that, he had also made um, Great Expectations, uh, the 98 version with Gwyneth Paltrow and Ethan uh, Ethan Hawk, uh, Hunt. Yeah, Hawk. A Hawk, yeah. No, Ethan Hunt is the character from Mission Impossible. Uh, but... And that movie, I go to bat for quite a bit, actually. It's not a perfect movie, but damn, I love that movie. Uh, and Little Princess uh, from 1993, he had made before that. And then Children of Men, which looks exactly like this. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, by this point, he, visually, he had dialed in himself. But even yeah. so, just the notice aesthetically were handheld yeah. in the in the house. You get a sense of how tiny that house is for the first time, yeah. whereas before, it felt like, like just a, this giant home in the middle of Surrey, which... Those two words don't go together. Um, and, and for the first time, you get a sense of real adolescent family dynamics, which was just, it was just right off the bat, you knew you were in for something different. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the things that was missing from the first two was Harry. Harry had kind of a lack of personality, and this one we see right at the beginning. There's some backbiting going on. He's sort of, he's, ugh, you know, about her being there. Um, and just the style of, you know, Uncle Vernon's line happens off screen. It pans down to his belly and th- he talks, yeah. you know, whereas Chris Columbus would have cut back to his face, you know, and, and just kind of the confidence to let things uh, play out the way they do. I love Pam Ferris as uh, Aunt Marge. <laughs> she is fantastic. She and and, and such, such a fantastic sport for what she has to go through yep. here. The fact that she went through this and then went, yes, Alfonso Cuaron, I love you. I want to do Children of Men with you. You know, yeah, so after this, there's, there's something to be said for that. Uh, I, I also love Who the fact- Who is she in Children of Men? She was the, uh, the hippie uh, midwife yeah, oh, okay. in Children of Men. But- uh, I love her 
Just if she were on, if she were in the Wizarding World, she would have joined Voldemort. Right. She would have been one of his <laughs> yeah. people because she's all about she's all about purity of blood. She's a monster. She's all yeah. about you know uh, thinking some people are better than others. Like she, there. I, I love just the little notes in in her performance. Like she's feeding the dog from her plate. Like like the dog is a person, and then she's snapping and bossing Harry around like he's the dog in the room. Yeah, um, he loves that shot, uh, Coral, and he does that in the, Children's the Men as well. Yeah. The, the push where you see the person's reaction to what's going on behind him, yep. um, and uh, you know Aunt March standing here calling his father a drunk while she's getting slushed <laughs> is, <laughs> is a great thought. One small well. problem I have with this is the way that uh, these things that that Harry does accidentally when he gets angry uh-huh. never happen anywhere other than the Dursley house. That's true. Well, no, if I would, li- okay, I'm sure if I lived in the Dursley house, I'd manifest some demonic powers of some kind. <laughs> like, cause that, cause, and it makes sense. I mean, and really what are the things in the Dursley house that really gets his ire? It's any mention of his parents, anything that meant anything having to do with mentioning of his parents just gets his goat. That's and, true. and I told, and th- that makes sense. That's to me, true. The character Harry is at his core, potentially a really angry dude and he's borderline slytherin i mean he's he's got that d- dark side what makes him noble is his choice is the fact that it's not that he's always pure it's the fact that he resists the temptation yeah. to f with people too much when um, he what he he never does it deliberately at least yeah. in the movies he does it a little bit in the in yeah. the books it gets um a little out of hand but i, I love say, what, i love the touch that dudley has not yet noticed what's he going doesn't on. give a crap he's yeah. watching tv <laughs> but i'll what, say one of the uh I guess one of my main problems with the with the movies uh, is the fact, and again, maybe it's different in the books, uh, is that you never really get a sense that Harry has a dark side, or that there's, as we talked about before, that there's the dramatic question, right? Yeah. That there's that the possibility really exists that Harry might go over to the dark side mm-hmm. and become dark, he's, and I think this moment is is uh, an exception to that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He has. He doesn't fit in Slytherin, though. I always interpreted that as being uh, the 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 Voldemort part of him that's yeah. in his yeah in, in the his half skull to the or, be, part. Yeah. yeah, because he doesn't have ambition. He doesn't have what I would call cunning. I mean, he's very straightforward when he yeah. deals with people. Yeah. No. It, uh, I I just you know regardless of whether it's in him to begin with or whether it's just you know an artifact from the you know the presence of Voldemort the fact of the matter is is that he's got these impulses and overall this book and this movie in general first of all it treats these kids like they're in their early teens meaning they're a little pissed off and yeah. and that's okay like it's so and I, I that's why this is my it's a lot of people's favorite book so I'm not exactly rocking the boat by saying this is my favorite book I'm not this isn't uncharted territory but it's my favorite book because to me it's the most honest in terms it, before the plot with Voldemort gets too big and starts dominating so much of the story to where that's clearly the main objective where we can actually just sit and marinate with kids being kids. This is, this gets that age so right more than any of the other books. Yeah. There was, there was a lot to this, to the book that made it uh, when I was reading the, the first two were, you know, okay, they they take you about an afternoon to read and then you can, you know, each to be through them. And then, and then, so I'm like, okay, I'll read the third one. The third one is where I definitely fell in love with the series because uh, number one, from a literary standpoint, uh, Rowling has established the pattern. She's established, okay, they go to school. There's a, there's a mystery about Voldemort and then Harry and his pals, you know, thwart Voldemort and save the day moving on to next year. That is not what happens in this movie that's not what happens in this installment what happens in this installment is exactly the opposite voldemort is not involved 
This is the only one where Voldemort is in no way involved with the events of, of the story, aside from, aside from Wormtail eventually going to him and finding him. Um, you know, the, the bad guy here I, it is essentially, um, are the Dementors. The bad guy here yeah. is, is society who has wrongfully accused Sirius Black. And, uh, and so I love that, that it was, she, it, it, just when you get to the point where you're like, okay, I see where she's going, I get the formula, she turns everything on its head, and she does that several times throughout the, the series, which um, I love about it. And also just, I responded, like you said, to a lot of the themes. I read these books, uh, I read these books my first year of college, um, and I suffer from depression sometimes, so I totally got the Dementors thing, and yeah. this movie is big about, um, you know, I was introduced to this uh, this series by my best friend at the time, and this movie is all uh, the story is all about friendship and and loyalty and betrayal and stuff like that. And so these were all themes that really really resonated hard with me um, at the time when I was reading it. And it was it wasn't superseded for me um, until the final volume uh, finally uh, eventually yeah. came out because that one just brings it all in for a landing so well. Um, but this is still the one I think that that I respond to best, and that's why it's it's always been my favorite. So it is a device that every year he gets to Hogwarts by a different device, right? Yes. First, first it's the yes. Magical Express, and then it's uh, the car. The, the, the car, car, and this time it's the bus. Well, he is there. He is there a reasoning, to... you know, either story, you know, thematic wise, or just is it just a just a way to change it up? And you well, know? He, I think he gets there by the Hogwarts Express each time, but he leaves the Dursleys for a different reason each time. I guess he got there by a flying car. Well, he got there by a flying car, but then this one. He gets, he, he he takes the train. He doesn't take the night bus to to um, all the way to Hogwarts. Yeah, he just okay. Takes so it. he yeah, like which you say, he, it's more about him leaving than yeah. about him arriving to Hogwarts. Which between that and spello tape, there's a lot of puns that the Americans aren't getting. Yeah, there's a uh, well, some something that uh, we haven't addressed that's actually sort of a plot hole. Um, is that uh, is if this movie opens with Harry practicing spells, which he absolutely could not be doing at the Dursleys. He would get in so much trouble practicing Lumos Maxima there. And he doesn't... Uh, that wasn't introduced in Chamber of Secrets. They left out that part where he was almost expelled. And so here, he's... But he, when he talks to Fudge, he says, why aren't I in trouble? Because I use magic outside of school. And it's like, yeah, but that was by accident and you did it on purpose the other night. And so it's all... It's, it's a very confused kind of intro if you try and do it literally like that. But the thing about... There was an interview uh, after he did Gravity with Poirot that, that explained a lot of um, his choices. And for him, the idea of um, cinema and the cinematic experience is paramount. So what, where other filmmakers would say everything needs to serve the story, and he certainly served the story well here, um, for him, there's another level above that where story is a tool that needs to serve the cinematic experience. And so... You, I mean, you definitely see that in Gravity, but but here, you know, for that intro, he's like, you can ignore that, you can not take it literally, and it's just an evocative, you know, piece or whatever. I just did that because I thought it'd be a good way to to open it and show you kind of Harry growing up and and defying the Dursleys and stuff. Oh yeah, you know, Stan Shunpike is introduced here, yeah. but we never uh, Stan Shunpike, who Domino Gleason, who would later play Bill Weasley, uh, auditioned for Stan. No. Uh, and wound up not getting it, which you know, they they both appear in one movie briefly. <laughs> so, yeah, he comes back later. This character and Harry doesn't believe that he's a Death Eater, and so yeah. there's quite a pointed conversation about why don't you let him go? 
And then he does show up later. Do we do we ever get it for sure that he is a Death Eater versus being Imperious? He's. It's pretty clear that he's. Harry is convinced that he's Imperious just because he's met him. He's like, there's no way that guy became a Death Eater. Um, and so yes, Stan Shunpike comes back later in the books because he is. He's been Imperious. He's doing the Death Eater's bidding, which you know, if he's if he's a guy like this, I'm sure he's very easy to Imperious. Um, he he doesn't have a lot of protections uh up against that and so he's arrested by the ministry and there's a whole subplot um with scrimger trying to convince harry to become kind of a mascot for the ministry and harry's point of objection is number one you spent the whole last year trying to make me out to be you know the devil um and you haven't apologized for that number two now you're imprisoning stan shunpike not because you think he's guilty you know he's not but you have to look like you're doing something you're you know so it's all politics and and harry just really has none of it and then uh when he refuses to stun stan uh during the the battle of the seven potters um that's what gives him away as being the real one as opposed to what they do in the i desperately completely with all of my soul hate this talking shrunken head (laughs) <laughs> it ruins it ruins the entire everything up to the movie I, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the swelling balloon lady and i wasn't a huge fan of the way they envisioned that bus I uh, but but oh my gosh once they take off and that head starts doing that i and this igor guy is just it, it 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 ruins it for me instantly but the head is the worst yeah someone someone in the chat just said that but uh oh. he's a famous comedian in the uk right they uh, the the shrunken head I think so. Yeah. Oh, interesting. His wife plays. His yeah. name is Triumph yes, the Insult Comic Head. Yeah. <laughs> Lenny Henry. There was there's a there was a behind the scenes thing on the DVD where they did interviews with the with like cast and crew and it was like an interviewer and the head like interviewing them. Right. They're awful. They are interminable and I wish they hadn't done that. And you could tell that there were a couple of them where they were with the older actors where they were like, yeah, the head's not going to talk that much. Let's just save them for one or two at the end because this is kind of insulting to them, quite frankly. It's a little bit of an in-joke for, uh, for, for Brits, but to say, you know, the, the Dursleys are in, in, in Surrey and it says, you should be informed that your, uh, your aunt was found circling Sheffield. It's quite a ways away. <laughs> like it's, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a hike. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a jaunt. It's like... Uh, Going from like Buffalo to New York, right? Yeah, it's like eight hours. It's yeah. like it's like it's like Thank an eight-hour thing. Thank you for clearing that up for me. That a hike is less than a jaunt. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, on the on the uh, on the unified, it's a smidge more than <laughs> yeah, an eh. than an inch. Uh, and yeah, and the unified metric of eh, it's uh, it's somewhere in the middle. I think. Oh, well, interestingly, um, uh, Rowling loved the shrunken head. Really? Yeah, she's. She said, I, "That's great. I wish I'd thought of that. That's what, hilarious." Wait, the the shrunken head is an addition. It's not a. Yeah, it's not in the book. What what book. is what is her favorite? I don't know if we've talked about it yet. What is her favorite of the adaptations? Has she said? And if so, where does Azkaban kind of fit on this? Huh. That's a good question. I, she's. I mean, she's. She's just very positive about all of them. She hasn't really. She hasn't come out and said uh, anything negative about right. any of them. So it's it's hard to. Uh, I would I would imagine with Terry Gilliam being her first choice for the first movie. I would imagine Quaron's sensibilities played a bit more to where I think her sensibilities are. Like I think she's a I think she's a, a, a down lady. I think she's got an interesting you know sen- sense of things. She's hip to the call. She's yeah. hip, yo. Uh, I think she I think she probably enjoyed because I think Chris Columbus came in and was very kind of um, 
you know, this is your world and I'm just going to visualize it and stuff like that. Whereas Quaron wanted to kind of do his own thing. So it was more of a collaboration. Right. And I think she found that from, from like behind the scenes conversations, I think she found that very exciting. Um, and, and Quaron was certainly very, when she put her foot down, he was like, okay, this is, <laughs> this is you and not me. Um, but, but was there anything she put her foot down about? Uh, yes, there was a, there was a bit where, cause there's a lot of stuff where he just, and, and I was going to. Uh, mention this later uh he what what i really love about what quaron brought to the world is um all of the magic and stuff is very casual yes you know it's not like there's always a moment and the music swells and the lights you know brighten it's it's just things are happening all the time in the background you know there was the barman cleaning and the the thing just disappears and then later when they do the uh the patronus lessons you know, all of the candles go out, and then as they're talking, Lupin just casually, like, flicks the candles back on with his hands like he's flicking a light switch, you know? It doesn't make a big thing of it. Um, and he's, so he, he creates this world, you know, in a second, we're going to see the maid, you know, knocking on the door, and she gets yelled at by a monster or whatever right here. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so he just did those kinds of things to just fill out the world. You know, yeah. Um, he's got the he. <laughs> I love that. He's got the uh, you know, the choir at Hogwarts, which was never specifically yeah. stated, and, and and stuff like that. And uh, so he wanted to to just create little moments, and there was a moment that he wanted to do with um some some little people, like Lilliputians, like jumping around on a on a on a piano. Yeah. To Lilliputians, thank you. To jump around on a piano to to you know just plunk away music, and she goes, nope, not a thing. <laughs> And he was, and they're, they're having the, the conversation. He's like, no, but it's going to be like, you know, Lilliputians and a little thing. She's like, I get it. It's a very wonderful image, but those do not exist in the world of this story. You cannot do that. And he was like, okay. She put her foot down, so I guess I can't do that. But, but overall, she was, overall, she was very supportive. I think almost to a fault in letting people change things around. Um, yeah. uh, g- generally speaking, she, if it was, if it was absolutely important to a later uh, book and she knew that I'm, I think there were some things she came up with later um, then she would say uh, you probably shouldn't cut that that's kind of important right. later um, but there are some things that were cut that became important later that make it like mm, she probably didn't realize at that time that, that she was going to do that this is all one long take which is which is another trademark yeah. uh, so they, they started making the movies before the, the books were finished uh, mm-hmm. obviously at what where in where in the series were the books when Philosopher's Stone was being made? When Philosopher's Stone was being made, uh, the fourth book had been published, and at that time, uh, at that time in the UK, they had been coming out every year, and it was her plan to write one every year. And so it was ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand were the first four books. And then and she then, met George R. R. Martin. Yeah, and, and he then, changed. <laughs> and then in and in the U S. it was even faster because they started being published here in like ninety. They, they, they were published here in 98. Yeah. And so, 99, there were two books within like six months yeah, of Yeah, that, that was Chamber of Secrets and Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. They yeah. came out very, very close to one another. Yeah, and that's what, that's what really kind of kicked the momentum forward because everyone was like, oh my God, these books are just coming at us. And Prisoner of Azkaban was the first one where they set a release date, which right. at the time was not a uh, like standard practice for the books. But they set a release date of like, Three, four, like four o'clock p.m. on a certain date, and then the next one they did, Goblet of Fire, was the first midnight release, which yeah. became a tradition that became a huge thing. But uh, yeah, and so it wasn't. They they started making this movie, and only at that point had order. You know, her her life exploded because she was you know the most 
famous author in the world at that point and and you know doing all these press junkets and having to supervise the movies and doing all this stuff so the fifth book took whereas the other ones had been one year apart the fifth book took three years to to come out um and we'll we'll talk about that when we get there because i think a lot of people were initially disappointed with it when it came out because it took so long and it wasn't what people were felt like they were waiting for well, I remember being very uh, disappointed that Daenerys spent so much time in Marine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but can I just yeah. can I just Did pretend that we're talking about Game of Thrones? Sure. Can I? I can guess. I get through we, two we hours need, doing that? We need filler. We uh, were <laughs> we were just a few minutes ago introduced to Crookshanks for the first time. Yes. Who yes. is one of my friends? One of my friends, Crookshanks, is legitimately her favorite character, which I don't understand because it's a cat. And it's the only the only point of the cat is to scare Scabbers this entire movie, and yeah. then she re- the the cat does not come into play much at all ever again. No, the cat was Crookshanks was a little more important in the books uh, to to the point that it's interesting because uh, because the books were you know a, a big mystery and stuff. Things that she spent a lot of time with that didn't seem to have a point. People were like, clearly something is up with. So Crookshanks was something that people. Something is up with that cat. She's spending so much time with that cat, and all he's doing is... I mean, he, he knows who... Um, Crookshanks knows sca- what Scabbers is. Um, that's the main th- takeaway in the book. But. Wait, so Crookshanks knows what Scabbers is, so Crookshanks acts like a cat at Scabbers? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Inception. Yeah. It's like, okay, very calculatingly, Crookshanks then behaved exactly as he would behave with yeah. But how, would, a how stor- else would a cat act if it's it knew true. something was evil? Like, just... Yeah. It well, makes wait, now yeah. how do I know whenever my cat brings it makes in friends, anything it's, that it's, it's not evil? It makes friends with uh, it makes friends with Sirius in his Animagus form, and that's what is kind of the giveaway that there's something up with this cat. There's a funny anecdote um, in the behind the scenes because of uh, because of Quaron's, um accent because he's he's Mexican um, and English is is his second language. What are you trying to say? He when he stop when being he, so racist, Michael. When he communicate tried to communicate the sequence to like his storyboard artists and stuff like that. He says, "Okay," and then the Dementors come out, and then the rain turned to ice, and they. But oh, he that was, says that it was that good, way. Pretty good. Well, I have, uh, I'm half Mexican, so I know that. Uh, Racist. <laughs> so, but so they hear him, and they hear the rain turns to eyes, and so they draw these, <laughs> they draw these, uh, these storyboards and stuff of like the rain. Suddenly, there are eyeballs falling from the sky, and like the the patterns of of rain on the on the windows are becoming faces and stuff like that. And uh, and they show they show him that they're like this guy's amazing. He's got this incredible surrealist like vision. And, he, and they bring in the thing. He's like, "What the hell is this?" You know? They're like, they're "Like it's you said the rain turns to ice." He's like, "No ice. It's it's snowing. Ice frozen." <laughs> they're like, "Oh, okay." Frozen water. Yeah. I, although I will say this, I kind of blame this movie for it. If I see one more damn horror movie where a soul gets sucked out of the face and yeah. it's like this vapor that. thing yeah the most recent was the uh trailer to the um diablo 3 expansion pack where they do the exact same thing i'm like it's a dementor god damn it i i want i do want to say the uh we made some comparisons earlier to um to lord of the rings right and they're coming out coming at this after lord of the rings yes, and it is a very they were presented with a very difficult task of envisioning the dementors and not having them look like ring wraiths. Right. Well, they change. In this movie they're they're yeah. much more like they are in the books where their hands are described as like rotting yeah. flesh. They look like corpses underneath with no most of their face kind of like just not there and then a big 
hole yeah. in their mouth. We never really get a good look at their face in these. In later ones, they're like bandaged the up, and they're back, a little more, yeah. a little more tame. Because because yeah. when that hand comes around the corner of that train car, it's like Ugh. yeah. Well, in the it, what I like that they did about it was instead of putting them in hoods, which is it's described as being in a hooded cloak, they create they put them under like a veil, and and right. that had a much better effect. And also the fact that um, as as uh, you know, Trey is often talked about on the show. They literally did motion studies underwater backwards, you know, uh, uh, upside down puppets. Um, and that's how they got the weird flowing motion. They wanted to do it practically by shooting these underwater puppets, but they weren't going to be able to get that kind of, the, the directability out of them. So they just used that as reference for the all CG Dementors. Also interestingly, Lupin's Patronus there in the car, and I believe every other time, is just a flash of light. Yeah. Whereas we don't see a animal Patronus until the very end of with the Harry, movie yeah. with Harry. Yeah. And and that's something that uh, remains for, but by the way, a little bit of um, trivia. These these carts are much too close together for the Thestrals. They, they should not be this close together if they're actually being pulled by animals. But. Do we ever get what Lupin's Nerd. Patronus actually is? I'm uh, aware of, no. I'm sh- I'm sure it's on. It's the a human being. But it's a wolf. <laughs> uh, it changes after he gets married to Tonks. It changes to whatever hers is. No, Tonks has changed. Tonks changed to yes. her. Him. Wait. Yeah, because the woman takes the man's Patronus. That's how it <laughs> usually works when they get married. Has Eddie, that ever... is so Victorian of you. I know. Mike, Mike, have you ever? Hey, Rachel, 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 to Rachel your chose to change her Patronus. Sorry. Sorry. Mike, have you? Does Does Pottermore have a Patronus thing? Too? Well, no. I'm just asking. Have you ever given it any thought? I think mine no. would be a chimpanzee. I don't know. Mine probably, would be a diner. Probably a penguin. Penguins are funny. Yeah. <laughs> and there is our first uh, image of uh, the new Dumbledore. Yeah. Numbledore. Numbledore. Hey, hey With folks. With a much smaller beard. Chat room folks. We need to get this number up higher, y'all. Yeah. Like, a little for silly. serious, though. Yeah, we're trying to reach 10, 10, 10 grand. We can do 10 it. 10 grand. Right Come now on. we're at 1538. We chat rooms just got to get its stuff together. Yeah, man. So we need to figure out, like a, I guess, a better way to do this, getting the word out maybe or something. But think about it and whatever you can figure out, just put it into action. My answer is yes. Go for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but let's get this number a little bit higher. I want to see if we can get Come this. Come on. Let's get uh, Will Wheaton involved. If we can get something. to 2500, which is a grand from here, uh, by the end of this movie, we'll only be a little bit behind <laughs> <laughs> in terms of making our 10K by the end of the day. So right. it'd be super cool if we could do that. Obviously, it's not the end of the world, but you know we're talking in real human lives now. I suggest you start drinking because then it's easier to give away money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, according to, to Pottermore, Lupin's Patronus is a wolf. Makes sense. Which he is not obvious. happy about. You know, that yeah, doesn't make obvious. sense to me because that isn't where the source of his happiest memories would be from. I suppose that's true, yeah. Maybe, maybe he had a really nice pet wolf that, regardless of turning into one, just makes me happy. I'm not sure. Maybe he's <laughs> a Stark deep a down. <laughs> like a human baby. You're running with this Game of Thrones. I'm you? yeah. just, I'm really into Game of Thrones right now. <laughs> I know it's that time of year where you're four months away from the series premiere yeah. and you're like, well, ah, it's itching. Well, I'm, I just started rereading the book, so I'm almost finished Clash of Kings. So I'm just, have it on the brain yeah. again. Fair enough. I think, I think his Dumbledore, his Dumbledore here is fine. We don't see that much of him and he's, He's certainly a bit more aloof. I think he he could have a little bit more warmth to him, but he, yeah, he's more he's yeah. more Gandalf like. He doesn't ha- he doesn't have quite the the silliness that's yeah. that um 
But the, night, the first the, one has. The thing about that is this is around the time in the series where uh, Dumbledore does start moving away from Harry because he's hiding more and more. Mm, that, it's a little early. That but, doesn't. Yeah, that doesn't really happen until Lord of the But Gambon Phoenix. is a better choice for that. Yeah. The way he plays Dumbledore than I think Richard Harris would have been with that same material. That's the thing that came yeah. up a lot in the MuggleNet interviews is that while it's a huge bummer that Richard Harris died and a lot of people prefer the person, you know, the time in Dumbledore's life, the character, the version of Dumbledore that we get with Harris to Gambon. Uh, and Gambon, for a lot of them, only came back after, at some point, in Half-Blood Prince, actually. Uh, if Richard Harris was going to die, and it's kind of gruesome to imagine, the timing wasn't too bad in terms of when the character of Dumbledore needs to change a little bit. It might have been better after Azkaban, but in terms of timing, it would have been way worse if, you know, that happened some like between Deathly Hallows 1 and 2. Well, not then. He's not there, but, you know. The timing of Richard Harris... Yeah. Departing and Camden coming in was actually okay. In I mean, terms because of the, if the, it's going to happen, when it can. Yeah, because this is this is the point where there's a huge style shift anyway. So it's like, okay, well, we're recasting Gambon and we're redoing the the whole thing. Um, this is the first time we basically got a whole. Coron f- was very very set on kind of creating a sense of the geography of Hogwarts. So we just followed them basically all the way from the Great Hall up to their their dormitory to get an idea of what the the layout is are there uh are there any other actors that are recast over the course of this uh arthur, act- arthur weasley you saw one yeah. fat lady the fat lady was yeah. okay yeah. um and uh lavender brown actually she appears in this one uh, as a friend of uh parvati I'll, I'll point her out when she gets here she's a huh. black girl and then when she actually goes to date ron they recast her white so awkward that's fun whoops in the, in the uh in the okay well there's a pretty blatant case of whitewashing <laughs> yeah. not even in the uh in the chat room but on the malaria uh, donation page on Against Malaria's uh, donation page for us, which is at tinyurl.com slash pottermalariathon if you want an easy link to it. Uh, Nate Cowie points out with a $5 donation, donating five bucks for each beer I drink during this whole thing. First up is oh, Burning Lord. Sky Scottish by Empyrean uh, Brewing. Empyrean Brewing. So every beer he drinks, five bucks. So now we all want Nate to get really hammered. Where does yeah. he live? I'll bring Be him a case of course. In Norfolk, wherever that is. Yeah, it's Bud Light. Just a case of Bud Light. It's, yeah. uh, you People in the chat do that too. Now, yeah. We we talked about this. That's uh, good thinking. That's the thinking we're talking about. We talked about this in the first one in the when we were watching. Um, I almost said Phantom Menace, Philosopher's Stone. <laughs> uh, how would you cast uh, recast Dumbledore if you couldn't use Ian McKellen? If I couldn't use Ian McKellen, uh, while watching that, the answer John Hurt occurred to me because hmm. he's got that sort of like okay. Uh, wait, hold on, hold you on. You can't trust my brain. We know that we can do fantastic things with makeup, right? So we're gonna can we can we open up the age range about twenty years? I think the guy I, I think I decided the guy who would have been great for it, personality wise, because he could do both. Would have been um, he might have been a bit short, but Richard Attenborough would have been a yeah, phenomenal Dumbledore. Too easy. Well, Jeremy no, Clarkson. Here, here, how's this? How's this for a, a kind of a random crazy stunt casting choice? Since we can do things with makeup. And also because since he's not actually like five hundred years old, he probably won't die on us in this series. If you Glenn say Close. Die, Richie, How about be... Stephen Fry? No, Stephen Fry is terrible for Dumbledore. Yeah. Why? Because Stephen Fry is the is classy and completely unflappable and and smarter than you and a gentleman. We're talking and, about Dumbledore. Yes, and Dumbledore is like fart joke whatever. He is. He's he's completely vulnerable. No, I think no, I think he's Stephen wrong Fry has a lot of the time. He lies. Bear in mind, Stephen, Stephen Fry, Fry is also like an. I think he's an Oscar nominated actor. He can pull off other personalities. <laughs> yes, Stephen Fry is fantastic, but you know, I, I think he'd make a good Cornelius Fudge. I think he'd make, uh, you know, there there might be a couple other right, teachers he could right. do, but I, I don't think he's right for Dumbledore. 
Michael Caine, Darth, Darth Praxis in the chat says Michael Caine. No. He almost no. couldn't, you couldn't get past the voice. My, like yeah. doing Connery. Michael Caine is too. He's still too suave. He's still too. He's, you can still see that there's that Luke Skywalker in him still. And even though like theoretically Dumbledore was Whoa. Luke Skywalker and is, is in his own day. How about Jim Broadbent? We used him elsewhere in the yeah. series, but let's recast him. Broadbent could do it. Yeah, yeah, he could be Dumbledore. It's hard to imagine him with a beard because he's got that broadbendy chin. But just put a beard on his this face. Is, this he is totally weird. A big this bushy beard. Yeah, the, so, the difficult the difficult part is like you're you're left with if you if you're only recasting Dumbledore, it's like okay, well, every other British actor is taken by by different role in this series. Not necessarily. So there really there left? are a few notable ones that I I think would have been great. I think uh, a Lupin or a Sirius would have been a great role for um, uh, Hugh Laurie. Honestly, because he's just a little oh. bit younger, a little bit sharper, a little bit smoother than either one of those. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Gary Oldman. Well, but I'll, I don't I'll, know about Sirius Black. Well, yeah, I, I agree with Kyle on that front. Uh, along with uh, with this thought, uh, my friend Ren was going to be here, but she couldn't because she got a gig. Uh, but she's way into Potter. And we were talking about this since the Potter parents age, like the teachers and parents age actually is miscast for these movies. They should be like 30, 35. They shouldn't be 55, 60. Uh, if you think in terms of casting those characters with the right age actors, uh, conversations like, and of course, now you have to imagine this is happening now as opposed to 10 years ago, but conversations like Cumberbatch's Snape. But also, I was thinking, you know who could actually probably pull off a pretty badass Snape? Tenant. Yeah, David, David Tenet. I, I thought that when I was I watching. Think David Tenet. Uh, our, 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 body, nah, our Body Crouch no. Jr. as Snape. Nah, yeah, no. Well, no, not doing his nah, Body Crouch Jr. Nah. thing. No, no, no. no. <laughs> our... The guy who plays our body crouch junior in these movies. However, would be Snape instead. However, when they did the flash forward to old Harry Potter, it's inexcusable they didn't put Matt Smith in the glasses. <laughs> inexcusable. They look nothing alike. Yeah, yeah but he looks like old Harry Potter. No, he does not. No, Matt, Matt Smith, Smith. Matt Smith looks like James I know Potter. You, I heard you say Matt Smith, and I disagree. Are, are we talking about the same Matt Smith? Maybe not. <laughs> they have the same hair in their English. What else do you <laughs> want from me? Yeah, I like that idea, by the way, chat room folks. If you guys can come up with random stupid stunts for us to be doing at the same time, yeah, it's like, so you if you know. do this, we'll donate that. Eh, float those ideas. We'll look at them. If we like the idea, maybe. No, no maybe not. not even a little. No, How he, are you he just pulled me up. That that's not old Harry Potter? That is not old Harry Potter. He just pulled up Matt Smith and no, not at all. That is a wand, put some glasses on him and a scar. That's Harry Potter. No, that's, no, it's, that's, not. No, it's that's not. A Harry, that's a good costume for him to do for Halloween sometime. <laughs> but he would be awful actually being that. What? Okay. We're, we're just going to have to massively disagree here because that's Harry okay. Potter. Anyway, I'm watching the movie and uh, things are happening. No, not at all. Well, while you're watching it, look, look at Harry Potter because he looks oh, like this guy. Actually, over here. this is this is a great scene for me to uh, ignore you guys because <laughs> I, I actually happened to take a trip to London when they were shooting this scene and I got to see them shoot this scene. You saw the um, You did not. I did. They didn't. Uh, I, there was. I. I was in the park where they were shooting this. I wasn't on set. You got drunk set. and misremembered a thing that happened. I to wasn't. You. I wasn't on set specifically, but they were shooting this on location in a park uh, in London or near London. And uh, a buddy of mine. Um, what I was visiting him, and he was like, "Hey, they're actually shooting Harry Potter over this park here. Let's go see if we can see it." And so we went, and we could like through the trees. They kept us, you know, at a distance, but through the trees we could see. We we were at just the vantage point where we could see the basically the scene. Oh, he pooped just then, by the way. Uh, 
What, uh, Hagrid? Yeah, no, uh, Buckbeak. <laughs> no, Harry. Buckbeak. In that shot, in that shot, he he pooped, which which Alfonso Cuarón was very proud of because he was like, it's it's just this casual thing, you know. He tossed it off, and I'm like, yeah, if Chris Columbus were doing it, he'd be this whole shot of the pooping. <laughs> he'd be the Tyrion Lannister, and there'd be a light on it, and John Williams would swell under it. Tywin Lannister. Yeah, but uh, uh, anyway, I right. saw I saw. From a distance, I saw Alfonso Cuaron, I saw Harry, and I saw them shoot, and they were shooting with an animatronic Buckbeak. None of this what? happened. They were There's shooting, no way this happened. They were amazing. Shoot, they were shooting with the flat gray Buckbeak that they were using for lighting reference and for his, his eyeline, but basically this, this segment here when he, when he was bowing to him. In, in um, the- and then, and then we, we were like, let's see if we can cl- get closer. And so we snuck around to see if we can get around to the back of the paddock. And we did, but we couldn't really see anything. So then we came back out, and we almost got like roughed up by the, the teamsters who were like, "Hey, what are you by doing Hagrid. here?" We're like, "We're just ha- hiking around the park. Why? What? Do, what are you doing here? Is something happening? <laughs> we're gonna leave now." In the chat room, Karate Slim says something that I, I I have a pretty strong inclination to agree with, which is that Harry with the hippogriff and on the hippogriff is the best scene in the series. No, I, I love no. this scene so much, and I can't think of something that there are some things that are there are visuals that I like more. But in terms of like a character interacting with the world around them, scenes in this series, I really don't think anything. I don't think I like anything more than this. Scene. The best scene in like the series is at the top of the astronomy tower. Well, we're having different conversations. I'm just talking about like a moment in the scene that I love for filmmaking purposes. Like I think this is just the best moment that this among the best. I don't think I don't think there's a moment that I like more than this. There's a- I really like it when McGonagall raises the Lumos wands at the end after Dumbledore's gone, and then everyone else does that too. That's also very powerful. But this is just pure movie making genius, and I love it. The, I love the, this scene so the much. The issue with, it is very Spielberg. The issue I have with this scene is that it's a moment. Well, the thing about the scene is it's two movies too late. Like the the. It's supposed to be this moment of like freedom and he's discovering, you know, he's discovering flying and how free he feels. I'm like, he's been flying for two movies. <laughs> he's movie, already he's done this. He knows this stuff. And so, so this feels a little late. If this were in the first film, that would be, it would be perfect. Yeah. And in the, yeah, in the book, as, as um, Spork pointed out, he, he, he didn't care for it. They didn't go for quite such a, a journey. He just kind of flew around the paddock and came well, back yeah, down. Yeah, because there's like 20 other kids waiting for their turn. Yeah. And it's like, where's Harry going? Denver. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, the other kids Don't are like, Denver, fucking Harry, man. Yeah. yeah it's his... always all about Harry. Well, on... they had the opportunity to come forward. Let's be fair. On Kyle's way to here for this, he got stuck in Denver overnight. And just because of the way it was working out with his package and everything, it's not like he could go to bed. So yeah. Kyle's been up for 30 hours as of the start of this 24-hour No, 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 no. Not 30. <laughs> We're we're pushing in on not on forty something. I was I was awake at six o'clock Eastern time on the sixth. Okay, it's seven, it's seven p.m. on the seventh in PST right now, so, so I can't do the math. Ten p.m. I don't. I'm just, I'm just saying. Anyway, Harry and Kyle both went to Denver, but at least Harry came back. Uh, on the subject of hippogriffs, uh, I I th- this is going to be my first tattoo, and I I know how much it'll co- it costs, and it's something I'm just going to do. I just haven't you know had a good reason to pull the trigger yet. But uh, in the fourth book, someone accuses the girls are gossiping about Harry, uh, rumored to have a hippogriff tattooed on his chest. So that's what I'm going to get wow. because I in what style? <laughs> that sounds I don't know. To, I don't to do it right. I think it's just going to be in like a uh, heraldic style, kind of like a coat of arms. Right on hippogriff. Like oh, cool. I like that. Okay, yeah. I was imagining like a like a shaded deviant art picture. No, it's not. It's not going to be like a yeah. Felton grew up from last movie to now. Yeah, completely. A lot. Yeah. Well, they—I mean—they let him literally uh, let his hair down, you know. And yeah. everybody, they just kind of went, "Yeah, nobody's gonna stick with the the whole yeah up and 
all that. So I, I I went to to Catholic school and had to wear ties and blazers and and whatnot. And that, yeah, that's how eventually you dress until the the teacher went. Would well, you just tuck your shirt in? Come on. But yeah, your tie was always down. You know, as as low as you could possibly get away with. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it's very real. He let he let everybody kind of customize their own look. He's like, okay, here we're gonna put the costume on you. Now wear it how you would wear this if you were you know, at school. I think this is the year when Radcliffe looks the most like Harry, the way I pictured him uh, in my head, you know. Um, you mean the way he looks on the book cover, mm-hmm. on the book jacket? No, I think Order of the Phoenix is about as close as it gets for me. He, he looks he looks about right in Order of the Phoenix, too, yeah, when he gets a haircut again. He just gets but, more chinned from here on out, like more chiseled. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This it, is one long shot again. with the, But we just saw the ghost, we, but... Not a big thing made of the ghost, just the ghost kind of ambling through. And another one? Yeah, the headless and horde, the yeah. headless hunt just kind of yeah. went by. For some reason, they're partying at, the, yeah. at, at Hogwarts. And then there's this kid here who has like three expositional scenes. The, the yeah, uh, Indian kid? Or no, the black, or the black kid. kid or the black kid. And he's, who was also given, who's also given the line, which I always thought was a little unfortunate, where he says, black could be anywhere. I was like, <laughs> it's like, trying, to it's like trying to get smoke. Yeah. Unless they smile. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but he was. I would say. When I, was, when, I, when I got <laughs> wrongly arrested for, for uh, trying to kill someone, this is my, this is this, I did exactly the same thing when they yeah. took my picture. Screaming at the, that, that the mugshot lady. Yep. Yeah. I love how it's upsetting. I love how you're like, "Wow, that's magic and that's so amazing." Until you, until it just you realize, oh, it's just a gif. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they have gif paper. <laughs> they have gif technology. This GIF is magic. one of my favorite yeah, exactly. sequences it from would the take, book. It would take about it would take about a month for every newspaper to just become BuzzFeed, and yeah. it's just yep. that's all the articles yep. are is just friggin' moving images. Yeah, like I said, this is one of my favorite sequences from the book. It's just really, really fun writing and getting, you know, just a little tiny peek at all the different characters and how they, what they're afraid of and what they do and a lot of fun Lupin stuff in this scene. Yeah, this is when... Solid Harry Potter stuff. This is when Lupin, I mean, this is, this is the only legitimate defense against the dark arts class we really ever see. Um, and the only, he's the only good teacher in the that films, they ever really yeah. get. In yeah, the yeah, books, in the they do a lot of Lupin Well, stuff. they love Moody, though. Uh, Moody, yeah, even though it's not really Moody, yeah. he, he teaches them pretty well. All the Death consider. Eater and the Werewolf do the best job at <laughs> yeah. teaching them how to fight the Dark Arts. Yeah. Well, yeah, fair enough. They would know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But uh, I do think the scene is really well done. I like that. I like that he gives Neville his first chance to shine here. Um, it's it's even clearer in the books because it's coming straight from Professor Snape's class, and Snape is bullying them all the way up, and then. Um, so right in front of Snape, he takes the opportunity to go, actually, I wanted him to help me first and do a thing and kind of help build up his courage. So he's he's a very positive influence on kind of everybody's life. Now, what does everyone think of the casting of Lupin? I remember... Yeah, really? David Thewlis, his name is. I remember at the time, and again, because everyone is, has been, um, is cast kind of older than they ought to be. I remember at the time thinking Lupin's supposed to be that maybe this is just you know my preferences. I'm like Lupin's supposed to be more handsome than that. But yeah, I felt that way about Sirius too because when the movie came out, I I, I had no idea who Gary Oldman was. Oh. I'm I'm ready to admit that. And so like when I when I when I what I pictured when I thought of Sirius Black was like practically Jack Sparrow, like that level of like could 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 give a crap 
what he's facing or whatever. He's yeah. going to do it in style. And then you give me this this bearded old fellow and Commissioner Lupin Gordon. is this guy with a with a <laughs> mustache. Yeah. And I'm like, what what? But but he won me over Lupin won me over very quickly, or David Thewlis as Lupin won me over very quickly with the way he plays it. He port- he plays the character. He may not look the way I pictured it, but he plays the character absolutely flawlessly. And and I love seeing Rickman in this outfit. Oh, yeah. Rickman is yeah, incredible. <laughs> and I, lo- I love his confusion too, where he's, where as the Bogart, he's like, "Wait, what is what is happening? <laughs> yeah. why, why am I?" It's the only chance <laughs> it gets to emote. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? What is going on what here? What a Halloween costume that would be. <laughs> yes. Oh, that would be good. I love, uh, and and this is it's very much from the book. It's described that she put a vulture on her hat. She has a vulture, <laughs> so it was wonderfully done. Um. By the the costume department to be like, oh, well, it's in the book. He's got a, she's got a big. What vulture. Ron does to this spider makes it way more scary to me. <laughs> yeah, because then it just starts flailing and ah, uh. it might come faster at him. <laughs> yeah, he takes the he takes the legs away in the book, as opposed to this, but it works. Do they explain uh, how Ron got a new wand? Uh, they the reason they went to Egypt was because that. The the they family won the, lottery, the family right? basically yeah won the lottery, um and so they had a bunch of money and they went to Egypt with it and stuff like that and they used some of the money to buy Ron a new one. Yeah, they wasted it on this expensive trip to Egypt instead of not being as poor. Yeah, Ron still has to wear those horrible hand-me-down robes next year. Yeah, that's why they're poor in the first place. They can't manage the money. Yeah, that's a good point. This is this is actually. I, I don't care for how this is done because Lupin clearly sees it turn into a Dementor before he jumps in front of it. And the whole point, the whole thing in the book, and as he says later, which is complete nonsense, uh, he jumps in front of it before it can respond to Harry because he thinks it's going to become Voldemort. Right. I, I think he may have misinterpreted, giant black-robed figure, he may have been like, well, that... Just in case that's Voldemort. Maybe we can we can. Yeah, that's the retcon that I put yeah. into my brain. And also, his his Bogart is clearly the full boon, as opposed to people see it and it looks is, like a silver ball. Is he, like yeah, a is he afraid of crystal balls? Is he afraid of what is that? Cloudy I, nights. I don't quite understand. Yeah, but they put a cloud in front of yeah, it here, exactly. so it's like it's it worked for me. I didn't get it the, the, uh, the joke uh, okay. the first time until it was pointed out later. I would think with the whole serious black situation. That even like this is just an excuse. Even with the form signed, yeah. I would say, you know what? You're not leaving the castle. <laughs> I think that would probably be a bad idea for you. Which is exactly what they do in Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality. Yeah, exactly. But um, but then again, they are probably they as as we see in the in the movies and uh, the books with Goblet of Fire, they are bound by very strange rules too. So if he had got that form signed, they'd be like, well, we got to let you go. He got the form. He got the form. If you do the bureaucracy correctly, you have won. So leaving Hogwarts grounds just to go to the the town, they have to have a a permission slip, but not to play Quidditch. (laughs) Yeah. Quidditch is like, well. Not not to play fighter pilot soccer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. That's an awesome way to describe it. <laughs> I want to play fighter pilot soccer. That sounds, that sounds like something on an episode of Top Gear, like yeah. F thirty five soccer. They talked about uh, a lot of the cast, uh, the younger cast, um, talk about this movie as being a big turning point for them, performance wise. Just the way Quorum kind of pushed them and let them 
be more involved with uh, their characters. There's the um, there's the anecdote about them, the trio writing the essays about themselves, um, with Harry writing about a page, Hermione writing about her, the number goes up each time they tell the story. Uh, yeah, fourteen and, pages. Yeah, and Ron not turning it in at all. Which, <laughs> it, but the, but the great thing is. The, the, everyone talks about, you know, he did that because Ron wouldn't do it. But there was a behind-the-scenes interview where he's like, yeah, I totally forgot and just <laughs> used that as an excuse and got away with it. <laughs> Which is exactly what Ron <laughs> would do. Exactly, yeah. As it turned out, he was like, you don't even need to st- try to be Ron. You just are. Well, there, there was that, uh, maybe it's been around for a while, but I just saw it recently, the the gif, the, the, the image of it's like, them, uh, people... Asking them as kids, you know, for philosophers of donor or chamber of seekers, or whatever, like, what are you going to do with all of your money? And, you know, and when you're older, what are you going to do with all this money that you just have? Uh, and I forget what Danny Radcliffe says, but uh, uh, Hermione says, well, I'm going to I'm going to save it. I'm going yeah. to save it and do the responsible thing with it. And Rupert Grint is like, I'm going to buy an ice cream truck. And it shows <laughs> which, a picture of him. Which he did. Yeah, he, he did. did. He, he, bought, he went out and bought an truck. ice cream truck. And he just drives around and gives out free yeah. ice cream. No, he gives out. The, it's awesome because he's like, I always wanted to be like an ice cream man. And he would have to get like permits and stuff to actually sell it. He doesn't want to go through that, so he just gives it away. <laughs> he just drives around giving away ice cream. Because why not? He's got an unlimited money cheat. Yeah, why exactly. wouldn't you do whatever stuff you wanted to do when you were five? Yeah. I love I love this bit here where he's like, oh, Neville forgot the password. And Neville's like, what? <laughs> and my, and, but my favorite bit is that Ron thinks that's funny. He's like not abashed. He's like, oh, hey, sorry. So here's a cool announcement. We just got a $250 donation. Woo! Oh, from wow. Act Focused. Thank okay. you, Act Focus. Thank you. Mm. With the message, go away, Malaria. We've had enough of you. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, Get man. out of here. Of course, we haven't seen a new $5 donation from Nate Cowie, which means I guess he's just a lightweight. Yeah. Just one just beer at a time, huh, Nate? Sipping away at it. Uh, we one saw, beer wonder. We saw a quick, uh, uh, a quick flash behind the, the kids of Sir Cadogan, who is a, a crazy knight in, um, in, one, in the portraits. There he is, still mm-hmm. flailing around. Um, he's, a, he's a very funny character in in the books i think yes. um and because he's a complete pain in everybody's ass he's the only person crazy enough to take the fat lady's job and so he's always trying he won't let people into the common room half the time he just wants to get into fights with them he's the 13th <laughs> century gilderoy lockhart <laughs> yeah so this is percy's uh, awkward phase yeah Sure. He, he was in. He was Did in Percy kind of ever have a suave face? I keep, I keep forgetting he's even <laughs> no, standing there. He just he keeps getting. I'm looking at him and he keeps shifting out of the sight. <laughs> yeah, he keeps he keeps gaining forehead over the course of <laughs> like you see him in Deathly Hallows and it's like a foot long. It's a race between him and Tom Felton. Yeah, he's like some people grow into their heads. He's like it's growing out of him. Well, that was my whole thing during the, not to totally derail this, but during the 2012 uh, elections, I thought Paul Ryan's hair was coming down like an Iron Man mask. Like, it just kept (laughs) getting closer and closer to his eyebrows, and I thought eventually he was just going to be Tony Stark. (laughs) Mrs. Uh, Norris does not have red eyes now. Yeah, they gave up on that. They're like, screw that noise. It's taking too long. Have you ever tried to put contacts on a cat? Uh, Yeah. It's tough. Sorry, Kyle. But they, no, I mean, obviously don't. they were digitally doing uh, Miss Norris's eyes and they were like, wait, didn't we say doing that for Harry was stupid? How about it's oh. stupid on the cat too? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then they stopped. I really, I think the Dementors look better in this film than they do in future films. I think, I think the kind of trailing, they have, they, they have more tatters coming off them. They're more like mummies. 
with just their, their it's kind of the frighteners it reminds me of the frighteners a little bit or as like as trey always says it, it looks like something they did upside down and backwards in a water tank yeah no, i think they i think well, they like intended said, to shoot it practically but they couldn't for yeah, some reason what, yeah. yeah i i it's didn't get look. the impression from the books that dementors could how should I put this? They, I knew they weren't walking around, but yeah. I didn't get the impression that they were flying everywhere right. constantly either. Yeah, the, the Dementors, the Dementors uh, in the movies here are almost more of a force of nature. Uh-huh. They, they, they have they're more single minded. Like in the book, you never see it happen, but in the book, there are references to Dumbledore having discussions with the Dementors. You yes. know, having arguments with the Dementors. It is, there's even you look the at the implication Dementors, that that they mate. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Because because uh, sorry, what? When is that? Yeah, in in uh, actually in in Half Blood Prince, because uh, uh, after the breakout in Azkaban and everything, and the Dementors have basically gone over to um, Voldemort. Uh, the weather is really bad in England. He's like, yeah, it's because the the Dementors are mating and they're multiplying. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think God, I think he said what? they were multiplying, but I don't know that that was meant to be. Physically breeding. I think it might have been like Ghostbusters 2. I think the slashed community will I, have something to say I, I, about I that. I prefer to believe it was like <laughs> Ghostbusters 2 and it was just the negative energy. Just creating yes, dementors yeah. out of out of uh I, I was thinking I was thinking like Ernest Scared Stupid, well the <laughs> trolls just come bubbling out just of the ground. Fine. Anything yeah. but dementor sex. Yeah. Well, it's basically hate sex, which is, is you know yeah. some of the best. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I love that they have a projector. Just a standard old school projector. <laughs> Nothing. Ma- the most magical thing he does with that is he turns it on with his wand. And otherwise, it's this steampunk ridiculous thing. I just love it. I'm the substitute teacher. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. He's, I'm the sub, and we're going to watch. Your teacher isn't here today. Too. She should be back on Monday. We're going to watch this movie about It's not even a video projector. It's a slide projector yeah. with a light bulb. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This is the only uh, indication we see of electricity, electricity in, in. I suppose he could have just like magically lit it there. Yeah, I guess so. It's it, making noise. It would though, make like. no difference. It works exactly like an electric. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I do like this compression because the the uh, werewolf and animagus uh, conversation is separate in the book. It's his, his, this is about how do you tell the difference between a werewolf and, and a regular wolf. Yeah. And sounds because, like a joke. Because he's just trying to force the issue of Lupin is a werewolf. But in this one, he also introduces the idea of the animagus transformation. And so it, comp- it gets both of those points of information across in, in a single scene, which I think is much more... By the way, done. Snape asks how you can tell the difference between a wolf and a werewolf. And uh, Hermione answers a wolf only answer a werewolf only answers to the howl of its own kind. Yeah. Later in the movie, they do like a really terrible imitation of a werewolf howl, <laughs> and the werewolf's like, "Yep, that's one of them." Yep, and that'll do it. Off towards- <laughs> yeah. Does she say that in the movie? Yeah, she said it like two seconds. Okay. Well, he's not a great werewolf, as we as we discover. Yeah. So we're so we're about to see Quidditch for. Let's swap out some mic people. Get some energy on the sc- on the show here. Yeah. If you haven't talked in the last five minutes, get off a microphone. Let someone else on. <laughs> that's everyone. Uh, Everybody. That's everyone but Mike. Actually. All right. <laughs> Although Kyle, even doing good. GTFO. You can stay on. You can stay on. We got to do. We got to do a fresh blood transfusion here. Okay. So anyway, I I, I love this little uh, drawing. <laughs> this is Draco's the drawing. <laughs> Idea. 
Yeah, I just it, the thing about that drawing is that it reminds me of the dicks in Superbad. It does. That's what happens now. Yeah, is that I'm like, oh my god, just Draco. <laughs> wouldn't it be amazing if that's what Draco passed him? But it was animated. It was moving. It's like animated it was just, dick pics. Yeah, just just a just a ton of dicks on a single. But like page. one with wings and one no- that's half a shark. And it's got nothing to do with Quidditch or anything that's going on. Malfoy is just like, hey, hey, check this out. Dick, dick, and dick, dick. like, what? Why would you give this to me? And it's just a beautiful drawing. Yeah. yeah. Who'd we get on the Wheel of Fish? We got Anthony Alba. We got Seth Brower on the mics. Hello. So Woo! this is the first Quidditch match that I think doesn't feel compy. It might be all the, the atmospherics that they were able to layer on, but yeah. it's the first one that doesn't really feel like a visual effect yeah. sequence. This, by the way, is technically in the book Cedric Diggory. The, the Hufflepuff Seeker is Cedric Diggory. Obviously, it's not played by the same person or, or named. Uh, it could pass so. for him, though, in that shot. It could have passed for him, yeah. If, it, it, if it's be, it's quick enough. It, it, it could have helped. I know it wasn't necessary to have that be Cedric, and it's totally fine that it wasn't, but it might have helped because it starts to establish his character in order to get some sympathy when he dies in the next film because, unfortunately, we don't spend much time with him in the next film, and he's not that sympathetic of a character the way he's portrayed in the next film. And this Cedric, one, he's a douche Cedric, in the next movie. Yeah, Cedric's awful in the next movie. Oh, yeah, you, and he that. gets one redeeming point when he, you know, says, "Oh no, here you told me, I'll tell you." Yeah. But yeah, you're right. And so and I, I guess, part, I guess, sort of in his defense, and this is Goblet, but sort of in def- his defense, when all his friends are laughing at him and Harry does a cool thing, Cedric turns on his friends and goes and says, "Sorry, I'm sorry, I, this is all inappropriate, and I apologize." Sort of with his face. But yeah, he's sort of a douche in the movies. And after Harry saves him in the maze, he's like, let's grab it together. He yeah, redeems himself, yeah. But I, I, I agree. I, I mean, it could have definitely added He, he tries added to resuscitate a cat. I'll say it that way. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would, I'll agree that they could have added him in to try and build up the character. But in their defense, they have a lot that they're trying to cram into this one. Yeah. Uh, Do you see that face? Yeah. And they were uh, they they certainly compressed this as... as um, the, the background information kind of goes. And, and as a number of people uh, pointed out uh, in our, our, um, yeah, our MuggleNet interviews, what Quaron chose to do was... You guys, this- we are $26 away from two grand. Thank yeah. you for the $140 Woo-hoo! donation from Walkin' Dude. Nate Cowie is on a second beer, apparently. Thank you. We are so close to two grand. Go, go, go. What, uh, what Quaron chose to do was focus in and say, okay, this is Harry's story. Anything that supports... The hairy story of uh, rite of passage and and kind of you know searching for for the adult identity as you're coming out of childhood. That's great. Anything that we will hose the later movies by leaving out. Fine, keep it in. Anything else out, gone. We're focusing in on on that stuff, and uh, I think that that did benefit this film in a lot of ways by making it a film it's clearly about something and it's got a a driving through line i do think it hurt this film in a couple places um because it discarded the mystery um yeah in in favor of being about kind of harry's journey uh uh harry specific um and there's not so much about those other characters um famously the it's never really clarified who the marauders are i've thought about it and i personally am like i don't think it ultimately kills anything that you don't know who the marauders are it's a cool detail but it's not a necessary one um but later films took that ball and ran with it and said okay we're only telling harry's story in each of these and that becomes a problem because it is a mystery that involves more than him yeah i mean the whole the stories are 
largely told from Harry's point of view for the information that you're receiving and things like that. But it does expand out enough that you're given more. And by, by slimming it down, they are definitely losing some stuff. This is the book that had the whole uh, the SPEW. No, that no, was Goblet. No, no, that was Goblet? Oh, yeah. okay. I lose track of which one was yeah, which. Yeah, it's easy to, for them to blend together uh, yeah. after a while. I but. finally figured out a nice mnemonic that I like, though, for remembering them. Because I always get Order and Half-Blood Prince mixed up in my head. Yeah, I do okay. Because I forget those things. And I just I ended up going with... Basically, it's always which one is book five. And I just went with number of letters. Order is book five. Order is five letters. Prince is book six. Prince is six letters. Oh, my God. You're welcome. Magic! Wait. Deathly is seven. She planned it the whole time! <laughs> Kubrick is a genius, you guys! Yeah. I like the uh, the little transitional elements. I was just going to say, the, uh, that's, are, I believe that is some filmmaking. Yes, exactly. All this, too. I, I think that's the only one that doesn't involve the Whomping Willow, yeah. though. Yeah, that's but yeah, the only one that... It's a nice thematic, because otherwise, it's hard to, with it so compressed, it's hard usually to get the feel for how much time has passed. And this way, it's a nice shortcut for really skipping over months of story time. Yeah. You know what I think one of the issues with this might be is that I don't feel scared of Sirius Black at any point in this movie. Yeah. He doesn't show up. Well, he shows up. He, he's talked about a couple of times. His mugshot is scary. Okay, his mugshot's scary. We see it for three seconds. And at, some, at one point, the fat lady or someone, I forget who it is, says that they saw Sirius Black. But that's it. Like there, I mean, there's the grim, but we don't know that those two things are related. Whereas in the book, there's a lot of talk about Sirius Black and who he is and what he did and why he's such a threat. And in this, he just he's mentioned a couple times, and he shows up, and he's like, "Raw, I'm scary." No, not really. But doesn't that turn into a kind of a Harry Lime situation? Because you know, uh, Orson Welles famously said that Harry Lime, his character in The Third Man, was the best character he ever played because. Two thirds of the movie, he wasn't around, but everybody talked about how amazing of a character he was, and then he gets to show up for the third act and be amazing. So it, it was it was that kind of a buildup. But do you feel like that Sirius Black maybe in the movie doesn't have quite that same buildup? There, there was more of a sense that he was a threat in the books. Yeah, he, I, th he, I think uh, in the book he, he was... showed up. He actually managed to get into Gryffindor Tower and slash up Harry's like bed yeah. and stuff. And and there was blood on it because they thought he killed Scabbers or yeah. Crookshanks may have. It just it, there was more of a building of like he seemed like a dangerous lunatic who was going to kill Harry. Yeah. And in this one, it seems like hey, just so you know, there's this guy who's kind of like might yeah. be after you. Kind of shady. He cut up a painting one time. Yeah. This is weird. Maybe. But that's well, what the it, painting says. It, it's yeah. definitely a side effect of the compression because by losing a lot of the in between time where you're building up the other plot points, you lose the ability to drop those in. So, I mean, the only time we really build up his character at any point is here when we go into Hogsmeade and he overhears the teachers, you know, telling the true story of what happened. And that's already, I mean, how far are we in? It's like, okay, well, we could have used something building like that 10, 15 minutes ago to right, really impress it. There's so much focus on some of the other stuff like Lupin and the Dementors that they remind you of Sirius Black every now and then. There's this scene. Yeah, right the here Dementors up, are way scarier than Sirius. But the Dementors is. come up all the time. And then by the end of the movie, when Sirius Black shows up, you're like, I, I would not be surprised if there were people who, at the end of the movie, when Gary Oldman show up, go, Who is, oh, is that the guy who they, you know, it might almost be confusing. I don't know. Yeah. Poor Neville. <laughs> He's like, Thanks, Neville. You, Harry, you dick. That's not, that was not necessary. And he didn't even, like, it, it, at least 
Bits could have disappeared or something. So as he's, hey, he's not it. a Hufflepuff, man. He's just like, hey, <laughs> give me. For, for I candy. am brave and taking this lollipop. Lo, 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 lo. Anthony Harry's Alba. dark side. I have a question. Sure. It's heady, man. You got to think it out. Think out loud. All right. Okay. What does an adaptation owe its source material? What did Quaron owe these books? When he comes at it, he's like, yeah, you know, I know Columbus came in and made them all kind of straightforward. I was really precious about the book. I tried to put everything on screen exactly as it was. And Quaron came in and went like, yeah, let's make a movie real quick. And kind of threw some stuff aside. Is that a bad thing? Is that okay? I mean, what do you owe the source material when you're, adata- when you're adapting something like that? I think he was more true to the source material in this than the previous two films were. Really? The, for, the, for me. Because the previous two films felt like Home Alone movies. <laughs> which I didn't realize was the Home Alone director. No, until you think he actually got the wrong vibe in the first place? He actually, he actually said that. I, when, when we were watching him together, he's like, this feels like a Home Alone movie. I'm like, you know that's the guy, right? He's like, I did not <laughs> have any idea. Wait a second. So, so you're saying that totally you, you, you think that Columbus brought the wrong tone in the first place? Yes. Wow. I've yes. never heard that before. I actually agree with that. That's I would interesting. Say, that's cool. I would say those first two movies tell the, hair, tell the stories from the first two books better. This tells a Harry Potter story they tell, better. They t- they get the plot across better, but this tells the story better. This I feels think like a Harry Potter. Oh, by story. the way, we have long since passed two thousand dollars. Woo! Cameron, hey. even hey. took us over the edge, but now we're up into twenty forties. So B- because seriously, it, it, we have uh, you guys. You saving a lot of lives today, yeah. and that's like that's super cool. So people wait. are not going to die because of you, and I seriously cannot stress enough how awesome that is. Yes, sir. So wait. Anthony. I do remember Sirius Black being a lot more present in the books, though. Yeah. But it was to the point that it bothered me, I think, because it felt like he was so close They're that like, if he wanted to kill him, he would have killed him. Like, oh, it's, so like you actually lost your suspension of stakes when it's like, yes. okay, he would have done it already. Yeah, let's, exactly. Let's be, let's be serious. So, you th- so in your opinion, they probably just overcorrected a little bit on this one. I, I liked this one a lot, personally. Yeah. I, this was one of my favorite ones because it felt like the first real Harry Potter movie, and... I don't know. It made me like the book more because when I first read the book, I wasn't happy with it. I was actually right. very annoyed. But then I saw the movie, and it, it for me it improved upon it, the it story. It slimmed it down yeah. to, to yeah, okay. Um, Did you find the character of Sirius Black intimidating when he showed up in the movie? Yes, I probably didn't in retrospect. Now that I think about it, but I really wasn't looking for him to feel intimidating because I guess I was already familiar with the story. Yeah, you knew so, the the turn, right? You knew the twist, so. so Perhaps just as a movie unto, unto itself, that was a big problem. But having been familiar with the source material, I enjoyed the film a lot. And another thing I think is a problem now that I think about it, Mike, when you said uh, that this really focuses on this being the story of Harry, I think that's okay. But it, if any of the books are not the story of Harry, this might be it because this is the background about James Potter and right. what his friends were like and how that shaped you know, the world that Harry lives in now. Right. So it, when you don't give the camaraderie of the marauders and all that, then the, the scene at the end... I guess huh? that's true. The, the scene see, at the end where they're all reunited except for James, the one who was betrayed, you don't have that... You don't have the dynamic You don't have the counterpoint that. to... You don't have the context. Yeah. The, uh, this, is, this is quite a... Uh, you know, with Quran with his long takes, it's interesting to see when there's just uh, sort of like we were talking about with the cinematography in the earlier ones when it's just grown-ups in the scene in front of the camera they the way they're playing this there's so much more room to breathe and they're kind of stepping on each other's lines they they were clearly given you know the directive to eh, just go for it make it make it natural play with it a little bit and and so they're kind of it's more of a chat you know as they're getting the information across there's a lot more information um that was left out that i think uh 
is is more of more of kind of the justification side of things in terms of how magic works and stuff like that. They don't mention the Fidelius charm and how they're secret keepers and stuff like that, and that's a big thing that comes up later. And how uh, you know uh, Sirius was supposed to be their secret keeper, but then nobody knew he had told Pettigrew to do it instead. Um, the the way in the book it, it it's a whole descriptive sequence. You would almost expect them to, when adapting it, almost say, "Well, I mean, you you end up in the later books with the whole pensive." Uh, or the the diary excuse for doing flashbacks, it would almost make sense in some adaptations to try and squeeze one in there, so you had some kind of flashback for the confrontation, right? That and that would really, you know, a a wrong interpretation of the confrontation, but that would also then maybe allow to um, uh, to increase the threat for Black because you would see him in action rather than just hear vague little. Uh, moments right that this would have been a really good place to introduce the pensive actually um which she must have already known about because it comes up in the very next story yeah we never um, see the, the uh, trial of Sirius black in the pensive that would be a neat thing to see but yeah. it would also be like the biggest railroad job ever <laughs> yeah <laughs> because apparently he didn't get to tell people uh look i wasn't the secret keeper that was peter pettigrew yeah check it out well right but they wouldn't have believed him anyway yeah, yeah, you've got, you've got magic. Well, oh, he loves splashing the camel. Kron does now. Here, how about this, Michael? What yeah. I'm just saying. What? It, what? Here's a proposal for you, Mike. What if? What would we lose if we got rid of the Dementors from this story entirely? Mm. Well, we would lose. We would lose. What, we would lose. We would lose the peril to Sirius at the end. Well, we would lose the peril to. We would lose what drives Harry forward. What? What makes him kind of, uh, uh, or at least greatly diminish their role. Yeah, in favor I mean, of the I mean, story the whole, the, and the secret. The keeper. thing about this and the thing that that uh, I've I've used perhaps you know retconning to to help bring it together is the idea that thematically this is about Harry coming of age and moving forward. This is also a story about starting to overcome the past. I mean, the the whole sh- the whole movie uh, the whole series is about you know how the past affects our future and and the choices we make. But I think this. This movie is definitely, I mean, it's literally the third act is about going back to the past and trying to fix it and, and make it better. And, you know, Sirius is trying to overcome his past and the baggage of that. And, and Harry is finally stepping out from the role of, I need other people to protect me to, I need to learn how to protect myself. Yeah. And that's what this okay. really um, is driving forward. And, and so he, that's what forces him to, to do that. And also, you know, we need, we need that aspect for him to um, get close to Lupin for, for, later on as well i do like how i mean as much as i enjoy the quidditch i do like how by downplaying the quidditch element because if i remember from the book a large motivating factor for him learning to fight the dementors wasn't as much to deal with black it was i need to play quidditch and the only way i can actually survive at quidditch without freaking out is to learn this and that was his his motivating factor so well they kind of skirt around that issue the quidditch competition the the and the the ultimately the reason it remains in the film, uh, the Quidditch competition is what drives him to finally say, okay. These uh, guys are screwing with my jam. Like I cannot, I <laughs> yeah. cannot live my life. This is with the one thing around. I do well, and you're screwing yeah, it but up. It's, but it's not just Quidditch. That's the that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. Right. But there was a whole thing where his whole thing was, okay, the Dementors are officially making it so I cannot live my life, and I need to. 
I need to learn how to protect myself. And I can't have a weakness like that. Yeah, too, I can't have a weakness. I can't. I can't be seen. Uh, he's he's very concerned about how other people are right, seeing him yeah. at this point. I cannot be seen to be weak like like this. Another even though thing, even though Lupin Lupin explains is like yeah. you're not weak. It's because you've had more messed up. Yeah, stuff your, in your, life. your life has been messed up. And Harry's like totally get that, but. The way it looks, it's, it's an allegory still, for depression. It's the like, end result yeah, is still kind of sucky I understand I'm here. not weak or sad because I have depression. I get that, but yeah. I need to get this under control yeah. or I'm going to yeah. it's lose. Go, I'm going to end I'm up getting die killed. Or yeah. something. As Indiana terrible. Jones would say, we are going to die. Yeah. Uh, one thing I just noticed, look at it here. Uh, doesn't that remind you of the way that the, I, I haven't seen it, but from trailers and stuff like that, the specter looks in uh, Mama. Coron's uh, uh, most recent horror movie, kind of that. Coron didn't do no, no. That was that wasn't Coron. I think Del Toro was involved. Okay, I guess it was Del Toro. Toro. All right, but never no. mind. But it is a similar. Mama, effect. Mama was more tweaky, herky jerky. She was okay. more, that was more uh, J horror inspired, I think. But okay. um, can we mind. talk about, by the way, how the Boggart is probably the scariest thing in this entire because. The Boggart... It skips straight to whatever's going to mess you up the most. It skips straight to whatever's going to mess you up the most and has its full force yeah. and power. Yeah. It can oh, do yeah. anything. This is the... For the video game fans, this is like the Shao Kahn of friggin' monsters. It, no, it's... It the, is any monster it wants to be. It's the pawn that got to the other end. Yeah, is what exactly. it is. Because if Harry were legitimately more scared of Voldemort than the... Bo- be then, there'd be two Voldemorts. <laughs> two Voldemorts running around. And the, it, Yeah. The Boggart is the worst. The, the Boggart is scarier than anything else. I do recall in the book saying that, you know, the Boggart Dementor is less powerful and does affect Harry less than mm. a real Dementor. Would. Okay. So it doesn't that, have its full power. Okay. But that's, so it's a that's Voldemort true. He does and say, a mini Voldemort. Yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, I think, I think he even says that in the in the movie. He says, that's one, that's one tough Dementor. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. You think, I, you think it's going to let me put it in the Pokemon? No, so. that is a Boggart. So yeah, yeah. You, so we'd have Voldemort, and then we'd have Vern Troyer as many Voldemort. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's also which is scarier <laughs> still. I say again, even in universe, it's also the most uh, present example of mind reading. I mean, you have a whole concept yeah. of uh, Voldemort, and even Dumbledore are very skilled at detecting truth and when they've been lied to and things like that. And obviously, uh, Dumbledore has a skill for removing memories from people when they're when they're given and everyone can do that but the Boggart seems has apparently the instantaneous ability to actually read your mind yeah and that's that's impressive for for this series yeah just imagine Voldemort letting loose like 200 of those in the middle of the London yeah. So Hagrid, I love Hagrid's coat by the way it's, <laughs> tie. it's, it's perfect it's it is absolutely tie. perfect <laughs> homemade tie a, a random non uh, non scene specific thing. When we were uh, back in the winter outside of the Shrieking Shack, I noticed, um, and I, I recognized it in a couple of the earlier movies. Uh, Ron swears a lot, <laughs> especially. I mean, you don't notice it as much as Americans. Yeah, he has but, babies. He says uh, bloody hell constantly. Yeah. But yeah. but especially you know, granted, it the the movies get dark and everything like that. But even as young, you know. Uh, 11, 12 year old Ron. He was he was swearing yeah. quite a bit. I like the I like the kind of skipping stones bit of action for Hagrid. I I, I mean it's 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 very on the nose, but it's a it's a wonderful little little piece of like he's trying to act like nothing's wrong, everything's fine, and then when he finally gets to it, he just boom just drops the ro- the last one hard as he can. Into well, the-, the thing to remember too is that Ron 
Ron, Harry, and uh, um, Hermione. Hermione are all from different, like each represent a different sector of society. Hermione's parents are both doctors; they're upper class. <laughs> Harry's parents, uh, well, uh, an orphan, guardians. So, yeah. I mean, uh, but I mean, they're they're well off enough that they can send their son to private school. You know, they're they're middle class. But Ron's very much blue collar. Dad works yeah. a government job. Mom's a housewife. You know, bunch of kids. This is a this is a big uh, departure from. This never happens in the book. Him seeing Pettigrew on the map. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. Yes. I think doing this is great. It it adds back a little bit of the mystery story. I had forgotten, actually, that this wasn't from the book until I went back and, and reread the book. And I was like, what? I reread it, and then I watched the movie, and I went, wait a second. That, wait, it, did that it, it is an improvement. And I went back, and it's it's great because it's injecting a little bit more of that mystery back going, wait a second, what's going on But at on the here? same time, do you think it gives it away a little bit? So that Sir- no. if you think that, oh, wait, if Sirius Black didn't kill Peter Pettigrew, maybe that's why Sirius Black isn't as scary when we meet him. Because you know that whatever they're saying about him, it isn't all true. But well, but right. you but because you can't see Pettigrew, you're going, wait, what's going on? So you think maybe the map is busted? Maybe, uh, I, I don't quite understand what's going on. Could be a ghost uh, thing. On side going, it's right on top of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, it also, it's a problem though because as there's a there's a great meme that that talks about how um, the uh, the Weasley brothers who had this map before they never noticed must have must have seen Ron sleeping with a guy named yeah. Peter Pettigrew yeah. for a couple of years and never <laughs> mentioned it. Would you? Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm not going to ask about that. I guess that's yeah. that's his business. Yeah, it, he's ten, but I guess that's his business. Yeah, <laughs> At, adding this bit in here is also a good that's way. That's the most we, effect I'm talking about. That, yeah. bums, that bums me out. I don't, that like, was, I don't oh, like that. I don't like that light. I don't like that light moves that slowly yeah. on screen. That's that, a, that oh, the chromatic and aberration. Very, yeah, effect. The, the very slow growth of the aberration. Yeah, that's a deliberate. That's a Quaron choice that disappears uh, after this film, pretty much. Uh, another another uh, Quaron choice that he put in, and then other directors were like, nah, is pretty much every time someone moves a wand around, there's a kind of sound. It actually makes a noise whenever they wave their wands around. And so I, what is I it, actually hunted like down it? where this was, so I know that we won't be watching the credits long enough to see it, but I, I hunted it down and saw it. There is definitely, in the end credits, two students having sex in a hallway on the Marauders map. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Cool. So you were... So, no, he was just asking me why I don't like oh. it, and I was sort of talking about no, it when no, it wasn't, when it, when it wasn't like in front of us. But look at it. Like look at the wand here. Like this, and like, I just don't... Anytime... When, when you see light altering what the lens is doing, the light has to motivate the change either by moving around in the frame and you'll see like the little iris beads kind of go in different directions. Even if it's off screen, if it's like an anamorphic flare and the source is off screen, you'll see the things, the artifacts of the lens flare crawling around on the screen moving because either the camera is moving relative to the light or the light is moving relative to the camera. It's all the same thing. That's the one way you'll see like a, a, the light artifact change on the screen. But just sitting there pulsing like that, there's it, nothing motivating. If it, it was getting, yeah, it's, if it was it's, getting it's brighter or magic. phase shifting, it would be getting brighter or darker. It, it, just it's watching, trying, watching this like lens flare artifact slowly change statically. It, looks it's fake almost to me. it's almost the equivalent of trying yeah. to do an in-camera magic effect. Yeah, it's they're, obviously they're, yeah, an effect. They're, they're trying to say magical wand, and you've never seen this light effect before. But to me, and it might just be because I'm an effects guy, and I'm very used to blending light. I that doesn't read to me as like magical. That reads to me like that's a bad effect. That isn't a thing that you would photograph. I'm guessing that uh, like you could photograph a wand fight. You I'm would guess- not photograph that. I'm guessing what what probably happened is they they put it together, and when they started doing these scenes, because they do have some practical, you know, they have practical stuff on their wands. When they started, when they started putting, we got the- our first smoke alarm. At the- <laughs> when they started putting these comps together, I'm guessing that. 
um, more than likely Quaron just looked at it and went, ah, that looks boring. We need something else to yeah, happen Yeah, a little bit too static of, yeah. a, of a sequence. Because because we just had a whole long conversation, like five minutes, where all where the, there's this huge light source that would have been this huge bloom, and they're like, we need to add some kind of visual interest to that, because yeah. otherwise it's just this static yeah, thing. Yeah, I, no, I, I understand the, the problem they found themselves in. I just It's a bummer of a, of a solution for me. I love... Uh, I think this is more than... This combined with the, the first... Dada, as people say, defense against dark arts. The, with that lesson, are what really sell me on Lupin. He's he's great, and he's like the cool uncle and stuff like that. But then he's also an adult, and he's like, okay, I know we're pals and everything, but as a pal, I need to come down on you kind of hard for this <laughs> because this was dumb. He's correct, but he's also a total hypocrite. I want to make I want to do some shout outs for Twitter right now. First of all, just straight up, Owen Ward has been tweeting everybody on Earth trying to get them to RT this, and thank yeah. you, Owen. <laughs> Keep that shit going. Michael Harley from uh, Audio Fictions is throwing us a tweet. Thank you, Michael. And you'll see him all over the MuggleNet videos. Yeah. Are you, is he in the chat? He's in, the, I don't know if he's in the chat right Michael now or Harley. not, but uh, he's tweeting about us, so I, he, I guess he, he might be was an earlier. Us. Join us. And, uh, One of us. <laughs> Somebody tweeted Bill Gates, which is okay. lofty, but I will take it. Hey, man, Come that, at us, Gates. That guy hates mosquitoes. Hey, yeah. Why, why not? So, yeah, suddenly we'll be at, oh, we got 50,000... <laughs> Dollars worth of nets. That's so, uh, so yeah. um, the Bill the pedigree. <laughs> the fact that the only the only indication of the Marauders being who they are is the fact that he knows that it's a map. Yeah, I mean, I, he I knows think it's a adding map. he makes reference to his father. Yeah, he he knows how it works. Yeah. and yeah, the, the, there are hints of that storyline, and I think since they excised a large chunk of that uh, from that, that adding the Pettigrew really just brings back that name and gives you that recognition again and maintains that mystery element. You're right. Yeah. Because otherwise, it, it that's the part that is a slightly uneven, is that uh, the pacing of that seems to yeah. dip. Hermione uh, becomes sick of Trelawney's crap way too early. Like, it, it, in, the, in the books, it takes her a little while to realize that Trelawney is... I'm actually totally okay with that, okay. because she's like, she walks in, she recognizes this bullshit, and she's like, nope, I'm an atheist. Before, yeah, well, before, it's it's practically before before Trelawney, and that that is, well, we'll get to that when we get to, to Luna, but... In the meantime, um, so, uh, Trelawney, the magicking Miss Cleo or not? Discuss. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I love that even in, even in the, the magical world where magic is real... There are certain things that people are like, oh yeah, that's pretty much nonsense. And and <laughs> oh, McGonagall and her reactions to Trollani are yeah. always gotten, amusing. The, the books say as of whatever. Okay, so she's gotten two things right. She well, she's, she's gotten she, one thing right as of now. She's about, she's to, get about to get the second, the second one, right. one right. Yeah. So that's I guess betting a better average than like Nostradamus did. It's better than Sylvia Brown. But I don't know yeah. if she's been sitting in like classrooms for the last X number of years just casting out guesses about what yeah. the future is going to hold. She's doing worse than chance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so did well, Sylvia Brown. Like they exactly. analyzed chance and it was like 98% wrong. The whole, the whole point. <laughs> she was more, she was wrong more than it was likely. The, the whole thing is again, even in the wizarding world, this kind of magic is mostly nonsense. And it's the reason crap. for that psychics is, are crap. The yes. reason for that is or actually there people, are better ones. There the are better who ones who pretend her. to be psychic are dramatic and want to have a dramatic answer. Yeah. So it's a more complicated answer. Yeah. They don't say, is my daughter alive or dead? They don't go, Nah, alive or eh, dead. They go. She's alive and living in Reno with a yeah. boyfriend who's fifty years older than her. Like they, so yeah. they mess up. But I, I think the point you could bring up is it's either something that has fallen off, or there are a lot better ones than her. Because when we go to, um, I think there is a point that her grandmother right. was yeah. very her, her powerful. But but yeah. you get to uh, when we finally her, yeah. get into the uh, the Department of Mysteries. 
and you it's, have all of oh, all of the prophecies, yeah. it's like someone's been turning these things out. It might <laughs> yeah. have been a couple hundred years ago, the way I but at some that point, is that like they every had a better now average. and then you'll have like Nostradamus come along, yeah. and everything they say is like compl- like not a- not completely accurate, but. We should probably pay attention well, to that. But then again, then again, it's like they keep every prophecy there. Mm-hmm. Some of those having been there for centuries, I'm sure they're like, well, that one's probably not going to happen. When do you decide <laughs> to throw <laughs> but, out yeah. the prophecy? Yeah. When do you decide? I'm pretty sure he was just drinking. Theoretically, right. that one might have happened about like, 100 years ago, but eh. But yeah, the, the, I, I did like the, the whole aspect where uh, Dumbledore, Dumbledore was there for that first prophecy, and it's like, okay. In case that ever happens again, you're sticking close keep, to me. I'm keeping her in the castle. <laughs> I need an eye on that lady. And, yeah, and even he is uh, rather dismissive of divination as a as a subject. Right, because Trelawney is a scam artist, and he knew that. He like she interviewed for him and gave him. She interviewed for Dumbledore and gave him a bunch of crap. And he was like, okay, well, you have a nice day. Yeah. And he was leaving. And then all of a sudden, she stood up and did the Gandalf voice at the tower of the, at, or at the, at the yeah. meeting of the council. Nuz, nuz, crip, nagu. That is oh, an impressive act, oh, okay. I got to say. Well, you could have just done a metal song. Do that again. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people were complaining, that by the way. That's actually the accurate black speech, by the way. Uh, not quite, but <laughs> here, here I am being like, excuse me, no, you didn't quite get the S's right. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's okay. Um, oh, I love, I love this bit with her. Oh, right going. to the yeah. It's a bad looking punch. The first yeah. punch is bad looking, but the second one looks great. Yeah, I love, I, I, I love the story they tell of the behind Strike! the scenes where before, before it became, before it became punch, it was going to be a slap. Yes. And they were going to practice it, and he, and he goes, okay, so let's practice this and they're off to the side and he goes okay slap me and she hauls off and just back like and he was like i meant a movie slap but i asked her to slap me and she whacked me across the face and he's like yeah that's good that's great uh and in, then it became a punch instead. in the chat room jeremy whitman had a great idea for a topic a second ago he was asking is there anything that we all kind of us agree we like better in the movies like we all the fans hmm. uh and in the chat someone was saying Rupert grant and a couple of people agree with him do you guys like Ron in the movies more than you like Ron in the books? I don't know. He's a I different character in the movies a little bit. Ron whines a little bit more in the books, I think. I Yeah, I, I see him as... He's he's pretty hard to bear in the first half of uh, Deathly Hollows. Oh, that's not his book. fault, though. I, I like yeah. the accents better in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> because you in your head you it was all crappy. Because in, in my head it was all British people I, actually, speaking. Actually, I'll, 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 put, I'll put this out there. I think the... the Time travel works a little better in the movies because what I don't what what I is, concur with that what is not in the in the books um, or a book uh, is the fact is this bit where there's where it's a closed loop where everything they do they do later is happening now that is not part of the the book. No, it is. Harry yeah. Harry sees himself across the lake. Okay, that's fair. Harry does see himself yeah. across the lake, but the the it, little touches, the the it, rock being thrown. They, they and, do, yeah, they it, do it, a couple more examples so that you know it isn't so that it's it's basically Back to the Future rules, it is. isn't it? So, but but it's Back to the Future, but the kind of it's the kind of time travel where everything they they're going to do they've already done. So the yes. rock coming through the window comes through the window. Right. She hears herself in, in there. She howls at the werewolf, and right. everything goes in a loop, which helps to explain, I think. People saying if he if you have time travel, why don't you go back in time and stop Voldemort? Because it's like, no one went back and stopped yeah, Voldemort. Yeah, because 
Well, because Voldemort happened, so we know that that did not happen. If I go back in time and try to stop him, I'm going to die. Because of course, course, to be fair, we also know that (laughs) it's like sitting here right now and saying, "Why don't we go back in time to kill Hitler?" It's like, well, Hitler's alive, so nobody ever succeeds at that. Yeah. Well, when they picked up the time turner, though, they thought Buckbeak had been executed. Yeah. And so it's kind of. They, you can change it. It's like it's almost like you can change it if you think you're not changing it or something. It's a it's a bizarre thing. But once you're locked in, you know you're locked in. Now there it, it, there is another much easier aspect. to show it visually in a lot yeah, of cases. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it is in the yeah, book, but we, it's much harder to catch. To, to an extent, we say it's easier, but then I watch this well, and I'm like, yeah, oh my true. god, the organization right. of trying to shoot this, right. wh- whoever like, okay. they had for continuity. Yeah. yeah, that poor person. They're like, okay, so you know, because because um for people listening to this who may not be as familiar with the way they make movies, you know, anytime that they were up on the hill by those those obelisks, they shot all of that in, like, over the course of three days. So despite the fact that those are different days uh, in the story, and despite the fact that now they're coming down the first time, now they've gone back in time, and they're coming down, and they're all bloodied and stuff like that, they had to shoot all of those one after the other after the other. So somebody had to be looking at that and going, okay, which scene are we doing? It's the one where they're here and they're going down to Hagrid's, but after they traveled in time, so yes. her face needs to be bloody and he needs to be... And trying to keep track of that whole thing is... I mean, that's that's movie making in general. You have to do that, but but for, they, for something that's looping back on itself, that makes it... Uh, you they know, pretty much didn't harder. in Back to the Future because that thing's riddled with stuff like, yeah. wait, if he were there doing that then, you know. Yeah. I do like the the layout we have. Uh, we we commented in the earlier uh, episode, uh, episode movie that it felt like the shack was essentially like fifty feet from the, yeah. the the wall of the castle. This one, at least, the shack definitely feels more set out into the woods. Yeah. Why is that the axe you would use? Just the shape and size don't yeah. seem practical. Because he's a. You got to get the gravity pulling it down to help. Have you it's ever tried to bird. kill a hippogriff, dude? It takes like it's hours. It's a bird I, neck. I loved, I loved the fact in the, in the, you know, all the behind the scenes stuff that that J.K. Rowling was very impressed that Quaron fixed in on on the fact that Ron and Hermione were going to be a thing because he like he's throwing little hints. She goes to him instead of Harry, and then that whole thing. Yeah. Whereas the rest of us who were reading were like, uh, "Excuse me, that is way more obvious than you think it is, Joe." Um, yeah. Although, as as we read in Harry History, a we, lot we of people about the seem to think Wars, it was Harry and Hermione. There was a question. I remember there was there even even among the regular fans, it's like it seems pretty obvious it's going to be Ron and Hermione, but if if that's the way it goes, because Ginny wasn't a thing. So everyone was going, if that's the way it goes, who is Harry going to end up with? It's Because the only girl who has mattered up to up right. to a certain point has been... Right. But if Hermione. Harry and Hermione get together, then you know the next thing is Ron kills himself. Right. <laughs> right. Like, Ron can't handle life by himself. Yeah. He needs Hermione. Just to clarify yeah. something, uh, just a brief side note. Uh, folks who use Twitter, interesting fact about Twitter, if your tweet starts with an at symbol, the only people who will see that natively on their stream are that person... Or anyone that is following you that also follows that person. So if, if you're doing like at friends in your head is raising money, blah, 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 sort of formatting for your thingy, uh, it's actually not getting out there. Just just saying, FYI. Yeah. So st- one thing you can do put is a like, period in front put of a it. period in front of it and yeah. then it'll go to everyone. Just FYI. I like, I like, here's the, the more whipping willow as we discussed before. It's interesting because I really, I generally enjoy stuff Quaron does, but this sequence feels a little bit more cartoony to me. 
I don't know. It looks her her red, no no the crap beat now. The action the action is cartoony in the sense yeah. that she's whipping around and screaming, and then there's a moment that's pure Looney Tunes where she right. grabs his shirt, even though she's she's whipping around yes. at high speed. That there's right. a little bit of Pirates of the right Caribbean there. in action. Yeah, for like three seconds, he has enough time to look down, look up. Yeah, huh? like they're right there. The, paw, the pause in the air to see the bottom of her sneakers. Yeah, but she looks like she's getting the crap beat yeah. out of her. Oh yeah, it's it's definitely brutal. It's but it's it's violent. Yeah, but right right here. This in this a Pirates upcoming. Yeah. Uh, what? Eh? Yeah, see, there's no way. That, That's a Wiley you know. Coyote moment yeah. right there. Yeah. But which is it would be okay. Uh, that's that's Dead. almost the kind of humor that I wish were in the earlier ones. Like if you're gonna make a, yeah. a weirdo kids movie, do it, do more of that. And there wasn't enough humor in the earlier ones. But here, because things have been so straightforward and serious, it's kind of like mm, it's um, it's a it's a little. But he has that sense of humor. Yeah, you see that in his other. No, Holden, we do not have cinnamon. No, don't do that. We, we need Teague for I've, things. I've done the cinnamon challenge before, sir. I've actually done it, and I lasted for 20 seconds. The trick is not like, oh, God, it's so awful, I can't stand it. It's as soon as any air moves in your throat at all, <coughs> dust comes into your throat, and you go, <coughs> Yeah. That's what it is. It's not necessarily a gag thing. It's a, if any dust moves in your mouth, it just yeah, trips it out your, your sucks up all the Teague doesn't have a gagging problem, so, I mean, it, it definitely isn't that. Ladies? This is, this is, I think, the one scene where I wish... Cause, cause Quaron wanted Rumbles to make a, a quick movie. He wanted in and out, and he wanted to, to you know, tell the story of Harry. This is the one scene where I wish he had spent a little more yeah. time and put in a little more of the information from the books, because this is where the mystery is revealed. And there's the the big moment. What I loved about this, and and again, you know, being my favorite book, and this climax was amazing because it was like it's Sirius Black. And he's here, and Lupin is here to save us. But he's working with Sirius Black. But he's not working with Sirius yes, Black. Yeah. And Snape I, is going to save us. But now he's the bad guy. The and now entire, it's like, the entire time in the Shrieking Shack, my when I was reading the book for the yeah. first time, my heart is up here and yeah. pounding. It's just reversal after reversal and after reversal. This, and in it's, this, it's, it's just pretty it's straightforward. So yeah, uh, especially the moment here in a minute <laughs> where Lupin and Sirius are acting as though they're about to kill Peter Pettigrew. Right. Because in this, Lupin is very angry. Seeming in in this performance, if yeah. I remember correctly, in the books he's just like, "I'm sorry, Peter. Uh, we have, yeah, uh, we're going. What did you think we were going to do? What did you think we were going to do when we found you? We're going to kill you now. Yeah. And Harry has to be like, "No, you're not. No, we're going to Harry. No, you're not. <laughs> it, it's kind of the unfortunately, it it is the this is the equivalent of the Dumble, uh, Dumbledore sitting at his bedside exposition that we got in the first two, and. We lose a chunk of that exposition that really helps inform the characters leading into the the further stories. Um, so yeah, you're. I mean, we do lose definitely something about the character interplay. A good chunk of the the facts get out there uh, enough for people to follow what's going on, but we lose a lot of the the, the motivation behind them. Yeah. I think. I think it. I think it just loses. It winds up losing what what you know. Coron generally wants to do, which is the the experience, and it's possibly he. There's there's differing stories as to whether or not he read the books. I'm pretty sure he did, um, and he just chose not to, uh, uh you know, do a direct adaptation the way um, Columbus did. Because some people say he didn't read it and he only wanted to read the script. But I've I've read things that said what turned him on to it was Guillermo del Toro. Actually, he turned it down and he called Guillermo del Toro because you know the BFFs and he's like yeah they offered me Harry Potter and I don't think I'm going to do it because it's a kids thing and del Toro was like you are an idiot go read those books <laughs> and then call them back and he, he went and read them and he's like oh hell yeah I got, I got to do this so um, apparently we have Guillermo del Toro to thank 
um, for doing this. And he was going to, he considered doing Half-Blood Prince, I think. Del Toro. That would have been this. interesting. And, uh, but instead he, uh, he chose to do Hellboy 2, so. Oh, that's a. Yeah. I, I can't blame him for that. I actually enjoy Hellboy 2 quite a bit, but. Oh, um, true. But, uh, no, yeah, I mean, everybody's already said it kind of and articulated better. But, yeah, as, as someone who absolutely loved the book and was really digging the movie up until here, um, this part just kind of puts a pin in a lot of the tension. And it's just a, an, an artful way of getting around it. There's also... What would have been better? That, just to bring the tension from the books, to bring the, yeah. the series of reversals. Because right here, it's all very straightforward, I think. Uh, it, 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 doesn't have, it doesn't have that gut punch every you know, every minute and a half that, that reading the, the books. It is, almost has shades of like a soap opera here in the sense that it's just everybody's like, you did it. No, you did it. And it's just, it's, it's a bit theatrical. It's a bit big and a bit grand, uh, but it's, it's, it doesn't quite work. There's a bit later on where Harry is summoning his first Patronus, which in the book is so beautiful and you don't quite get that, you know, from here. Yeah. But, um, and that's a little, com- that's a little confusing because the idea was, that Expelliarmus is a little too powerful yeah. for Harry. What what happened was that three people, all three of the yes. kids, were trying to were trying to disarm him at once, and because they wanted to hear, they're like, okay, I think we're, I'm pretty sure we're on board with this, and so they they're committing. At all that three point. of them kind of came to that conclusion yeah. independently. Yeah, and then they they all hit him, and Hermione panicked. She was like, oh my god, oh my god, I think we just <laughs> killed Snape. <laughs> yeah. You guys, we just killed Snape, and she's freaking out, and it's like, shut up, Hermione. We have what, to hear the rest of the story. What's amazing in this scene in the book is that. There are like several different people in that room who are all completely 100% ready to kill someone else at the drop of a hat. Like, right. Lupin and Sirius are totally there to kill Peter. They're like, "It'll, yep, we're, we're <laughs> that is what we are here to do. That is what is going to happen tonight." Harry is totally ready to kill Sirius yeah. like, at a drop of a hat. And then when Snape walks in, he's like, "Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to kill Sirius Black if he so much as sneezes." Yeah. So it, it's this weird. Like, it, it, for a series without guns, this is a scene with everyone has a gun to each other's head. Yeah. Thank you, Chris Short, for your $130 donation. Woo! Well done, sir. Tim- Timothy Spall as Wormtail is amazing. Yep. He's so great. At, at I mean... It definitely fits the kind of character that was described friends. in the book. Yeah, he's he's perfect. He's the, He's... Uh, you know the, the the whole thing where it's like he's he's been a rat for over ten years. He has forgotten a little bit how to be a normal yeah, person. Yeah, qu- quick shout out to my fiance because Wormtail is by far her favorite character, and she told me to come in here and try and defend that what Peter Pettigrew does is actually not that bad when you think about it. I totally disagree. I think he's he's easily he commits the worst crime of anyone in the series. But uh, she loves him and she loves looking at him and watching him do things with his mouth. So Wormtail. <laughs> Yeah, I'm well, not going to ask any questions. Like, Why would you want? Wow. Okay. Those. Like, I would not want. No, those he's the most despicable person in the series, but still. But I she do loves him. So there. They did a good job. Uh, you must have very interesting intimacy. Uh, well, if you look at me and then look at uh, Timothy Spall, a lot of things become immediately clear. Um, they call me Wormtail too. Anthony, I just uh, like the way you said that. You guys must have interesting intimacy. <laughs> it was very polite. Yeah. Hey Mike, did you? Uh, yeah. How did you feel about the, the the transition of Harry not liking Sirius to loving him as soon as he finds out he's a good it, guy? It is. Yeah. I I absolutely agree that it is incredible. In fact, this scene is the only scene we get of 
of Sirius being cool. And it's a, first of all, it's a really quick turn for Sirius. He's like crazy. Ah, come out, Peter. And he's like, yeah. So anyway, when I got out of Rutgers and you know, <laughs> totally, just totally sweet disposition as a dog. Yeah. Just totally chilling out and being like, okay, now that everybody understands. Okay. Also, Everybody in that room, including Hermione, apparently, super dumb. Why wouldn't you knock out Wormtail? There's a spell for that. Knock him out and float. You're doing the same thing with Snape. Actually, they're not in the movie. They leave Snape in the shack, which is a total dick move. But they, <laughs> <laughs> and then they, uh, uh, he'll be fine. Yeah. yeah, it's not a real thing. So we got to get out of here. Yeah, but. And then uh, suddenly Harry wants to live with suddenly, him. Suddenly, yeah. Right. Suddenly it's this total stranger who probably smells and <laughs> was was like, I didn't, I didn't, I swear I didn't kill your parents. That guy was a rat and he he, he was a rat, literally, and, and killed your parents. And he's like, oh, okay, I guess I'll, sure, I'll come live with you. Yeah, this, what? I don't have options. Did, so you, gonna... did you see Sirius's eyes when they close that door and he's standing there? Like those are, those are full full-blown 10 out of 10 Gary Oldman crazy eyes. Yeah. Well, and he's covered in prison tats and he's just like, okay, so now that that's over, do you want to live with me? And Harry's just like, well, it's you or the fat people. So, yeah. Oh, actually, in, there's, in, there's, there's where it is. It's like, he's like, hmm, guy who still might be a murderer for all I know, Dursley's. I'm going to come live with you. <laughs> in the movie's defense, the book really gives them nothing to work on right, there. Right. I mean, that's... And you're right. This is, I think... The, well, the, the scene just, at least just, in the I would just think Harry would still be like wary of him. He'd spend yeah. all that time yeah. being scared of him in the book, and then suddenly he's like, "Okay, we're for." There's, there should be there should be more weirdness on both sides, I think, because yeah. there's a there's an aspect. Uh, there there should be an aspect to Sirius where he's been living with this. He's been living with this for twelve years. You don't just turn that off. He's been well. He, they say in the book he spent more time as a dog than as a man in Azkaban because he needed to. Because otherwise, you know, the depression of the Dementors would have right. killed him. And they 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 talk about um, a, a lot of stuff isn't explained. It's not explained how he escaped Azkaban actually mm -hmm. in the in the movies. Um, and in the in the books, it's because he's an animagus and he can turn into a dog, which they can't. The Dementors can't really tell when you're yeah. in that form. And also, he didn't lose his mind because. The knowledge that he was innocent was not a happy thought, All right. so they couldn't get it away from him. Can two, I just? Two things I love, here. I love. I love the the convention that we've all accepted in movies where the full moon doesn't work unless you can see it. Right, <laughs> unless it's on you and you notice it. Yeah, um, I am not. Timothy Spall's clothes go away when he transforms back into the rat. Where did they come from? Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, what do you think of this werewolf design? It's weird. I actually I don't like know. it. I like it because it's so weird. I think the head. It just—it's a little scrawny. I'm—I'm I'm very rare. It'll, it's very rare that I say this, but if there's a director that I wish had gotten a shot at a Harry Potter movie, that werewolf makes me think. I wish Tim Burton made a Harry Potter movie because so that there's is the a door kind of right back there, and if you walk out no, of it, you'll I, be gone now. No, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't disagree. I think Burton you know, would have made that—that uh, that is a—that is a pure Tim, like a Tim Burton napkin nasty sketch werewolf. Yes, you know, and and yeah. it's—I I love it. I think it's got. This transformation is cool. It's yeah. a different stylistic this thing, but it's the same. scary for yeah. a kid's thing. But it's almost the same thing as asking for a Gillian. Uh, it's it's a very distinctive style that you're looking for. Granted, right. it's not as British a style, but it definitely would be there. I do agree with you, Mike. I, I think this, is very this part yeah, this right moment. here, almost in the entire series, I think, is the only real case of you know plot-induced stupidity. Yeah. I mean, there are mistakes that the characters make in later books, but they're actually... Yeah, motivated by which do I also want to say I also want to say the the everything you need to know about Snape to yes, me right is here. right here in this scene he this is the person who has ruined his life Harry Potter represents everything that's yes. ruined his life and as soon as he sees a monster he is willing to 
protect him with his body. He literally throws himself in front himself. of him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the moment when you know, no matter what else, Snape just literally was like, "Snape nope, is the kids." Oh, even yeah, cool, even werewolf. never, like, never mind, never mind. He's doing it for Lily, and it's Harry. It's like yeah. the, the kind of person he is. No matter who that is, he's going to protect them, and that's at this really, point in his life. Yes. Yeah. That's really and, who, who and he quick is. Quick quiz, Hermione. How can you tell the difference between a werewolf and a regular wolf? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a little hard, isn't it? Yeah. yeah is that, that consistent is in the books? Him she, protecting they, they Harry? like she was so I don't smart remember. for, not being, for uh, knowing the difference. And then you see what a werewolf looks like. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> oh, well, that's... <laughs> well, uh, they look like a freaking person wolf with really long arms. <laughs> and stand up straight. Well, you know how wear means man? Yeah. <laughs> It, it's basically that. Yeah. And then Hermione makes a howl, even though earlier she said, oh, they only respond to the howls of their own kind. And Hermione's yeah. like... No, well, yeah. there's, there's, a, there's a similar uh, scene that they, they cut out of the, of the um, Half-Blood Prince where they have a similar thing where Snape goes, how can you tell the difference between an Inferius and a ghost? And Ron's <laughs> like, right. well, you can see through a ghost. And and Snape Snape like makes fun of him, and he's like, "Well, excuse me, but if yeah. you're just standing there and you're looking at the thing, I'm pretty sure that's the that that's the salient point." Qualifier. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't care what they are philosophically. Yeah, <laughs> what matters is not Ron's like, Ron's like, we do not have to get abstract. Yeah, it's, it's the giant monster in my face. Yeah, yeah. this it's, is the defense class. This is when do you know to run? Noun versus noun. Yeah. yeah. I, I I think the sequence we just saw and as he was coming as Harry was coming down the hill are the only times in this movie the exteriors really have a more of a set feel to me. I think it's mainly because it does feel that way. You're right. You, you, the the sky that you're seeing feels like you would have much more present fog and and moisture in the air, and they're just in a clean, soundstagey yeah, kind of. Yeah, feel. it's interesting that it's not as atmospheric when when so much of this movie is atmospheric. Actually, it's a really good point. I would say of all the moments in this movie that are trying to ratchet up the tension and the fear and all that, the ones that are most successful are the ones with the werewolf, especially later on when, oh, when, when they're, they're in the woods and mm. they're they're behind the tree and the werewolf crosses and they're like, <sighs> yeah. and they take two steps around the tree and the werewolf's literally like standing there frozen. Yeah, them. watching them. Yeah. And it's like, it's so predatory. You're like, oh yeah. Christ, they're dead. They're, de- yeah. they're dead. <laughs> it's come, the series it's- is over. It's faster, meaner, stronger. They're dead. Yeah. See, so, this, this, is, the, a, the this thing, is a great sequence. This is a great wise. sequence. The thing that the thing that always bugged me a little bit was even from the beginning, it's like the Dementor comes into the the compartment and starts sucking Harry's soul out through his face and then everybody goes why'd you pass out it's like it's like fancy more than anybody else it's like because it turned at me and started sucking at my face did you guys not see when I it did that I don't like this version of the Dementor's kiss in the books it's much more horrifying they, they literally grab you by the face yeah well in the book and plant that big old sucker hole right over your mouth I, and suck your soul out I didn't I didn't I don't like this. I don't like thinking about that. That was the Dementor's kiss. That they just wear you down to the point where your where your you know LED soul. Yeah, comes yeah. Flying yeah. It's, <laughs> I, Not my LED. Yeah, I I prefer like you say. It's like the Dementor will grab you and suck your soul out through your mouth. And you physically. will be in so much despair by the time their hands yeah. are on you that you just won't even yeah. be. It's not a matter of physical strength. That's him. I mean, this is this is serious dying. This is not serious. Because yeah. there's a point made that the, the Dementor's kiss does not kill you. Yes. It, it leaves just, you an empty husk. It, it leaves you an empty husk. Yeah. yeah. It, it, exactly. It's a, lobo- uh, it's a lobotomy. So um, I, I don't... I, I choose not to interpret this as 
a version of the Dementor's Kiss. I choose to interpret this as a very strange way of showing that Sirius almost died. It's the vacuum kill. Yeah. They, the they, super finisher. They, the, yeah, they wore him. They wore down his HP. Yeah, it, look, <laughs> until, it looks like several Warcraft spells that just yeah. suck life out of the. So uh, that Patronus yeah. effect is beautiful, by the way. The yeah, stag. I don't mind. A lot of people complain about the uh, the fade ins and outs, and, but in in most cases, they're actually they're all aren't they always associated? They're with- almost all justified because it's like. Maybe you just don't like the fact that Harry passes out a Harry lot. Harry and Sirius are making a swastika <laughs> right now, by the way. There, there, there are generally large chunks of the story that we get exposition because Harry was passed out for, and it needs to be explained what actually happened. Yeah. yeah. Anyone want to swap it's, in it's on the mic? Way, it's the way it looks like a Looney Tune. Do you want to swap in on my wife? What? No, does anyone want to the swap fades, in on my the, the oh. fades in and out. Well, the, yeah, it's like an iris in and yeah. iris out. Dun, 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 dun. Right. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, there was a, it's very much a, a kind of uh, vignetting effect in and then back out. So here we go, time travel. At some here point, at some point soon, we should like Kyle sit down. But to to be, uh, whatever you whatever you think of time travel as a plot device, the way that it's visualized here is awesome. It's the, the, I can't think of any way they could have done a better job of showing the the passage back through time. Yeah, that's true. I I find it interesting that when you look at the. Uh, the story structure of this, there's a decent chunk uh, in the in the early bit where <laughs> Hermione just being a dick, <laughs> smacking him on his broken leg. Yeah, because uh, he thinks it's funny. Yeah, oh, yeah. he's just amusing he's himself. He's old and he's gonna die soon, and he yeah. thinks it's funny. He's old and does not give a crap, and he's like, he'll be fine. In he'll 10 make minutes. a funny face, and I'll laugh. It's yeah. magic. No, uh, I was uh, I was saying there's a decent chunk where Hermione just kind of disappears for a good almost. It feels like 15 minutes. And it's mainly uh, Ron and Harry running around. And now we get a decent chunk where Ron just, Ron's gone for a while now. We're going to, it's going to be the Harry and Hermione show for a, a little while. Yeah. Which, I mean, only must fair because she got knocked out of the adventure at the, at the end of the last <laughs> one. So it must have been, that turn. must have been intentional because otherwise, why would she have Ron break his leg in the shrinking shack? I just don't know why it would be intentional. That because, because. Hermione was out of the uh, was out of the party last time, so she's like, okay, chamber of secrets, or, uh, or yeah, in chamber. Yeah. So she's like, okay, Hermione gets oh, to go yeah. through the adventure this time, and Ron gets to stay home. Harry has to go. That almost <laughs> seems like way. that almost seems like you're trying to make it too fair. Like, well, I'm not. I didn't we're paying it. for these books for all three characters, lady. <laughs> this is a series that, for all the darkness, the ending of the series is essentially, a, and they all lived happily ever after. There is a decent portion of being fair to the characters in in these books yeah well i mean everyone walks away way different than you know oh i'm not saying there's not massive changes and adjustments and it gets really dark at places that was a really but, cool transition you know, by the way yeah yeah no it's a really good way to do it it's uh, it's wonderful work all in one i mean we're still in one shot we're about to we're about to transition into i don't like as much when he does these impossible movements like up and now we're handing off and going through the gears of the clock and it it calls a little bit too much it's panic room now yeah it's the beginning of a song movie yeah Yeah. um i mean i get it symbolically they're like clock right because time um so you don't have to follow them down the stairs yeah that too that uh, the clock thing is more interesting i will give it what year year did this come out uh 2004 yeah that's like the ballpark time where they were doing that a lot though like in every single movie that had visual effects that's true. like that's matrix true. reloaded had the thing through the trucks uh 
I always hated it. <laughs> I don't like. Oh, the internet found us, so we got some poo heads in the uh, <laughs> in the chat. Your Anthony and Kyle, why don't you guys switch places real quick and let's see if, uh, or at least let Kyle sit down and let's see if we can get. <laughs> I just want to keep the blood flowing here. If the longer we sit here, the more we're going to fall asleep. Yeah. So we need to like, be standing up Says, and switching you. places and stuff all the time here. So I like the. This is the. This is of course the first time we discussed a little bit that we went to street clothes, and I like their interpretation of it. Uh, uh-huh. the, the robes was good in universe building but i think it felt a little bit stodgy and a little bit hard to justify well as they talk about in in i mean uh, you know it, it's symbolic for this is this is the teenage rebellion this is them breaking oh, yeah. out of childhood and and of breaking out of being told what to do by grown-ups and stuff so there's a little bit more of that and um i like the uh the color palette that they've set for the the trio actually remains for for much of the rest of the film. True, Carrie is uh, often in in gray, you know, black, white, gray, or blue. Hermione is often in pinks, and and Ron is often in like orange is. and reds and stuff like Girl's that. Girl's got to be so. wearing pink. Well, it goes with her hair. Ha, what? Because it's blonde. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I wear whatever I pick up in the morning. I'm not one for uh, color coordination. I gotta say, he has some really good pumpkins. Those are amazing. Wow, yeah. he has some really good pumpkins. <laughs> I'm well, pretty sure. Oh, come on. I think. Yeah, I think in the books yeah. it's made clear that he's cheating. He's cheating a little bit. <laughs> not supposed this, to be. This doing is a that. man who will turn a child into a pig, cause <laughs> just cause. Yeah. And now we're into the cause and effect cyclic nature. Yeah, and I think I think the reason they include Buckbeak in this portion is to explain the rules on how they have to save Sirius. Well, how else would they do it? How else are they going to get up to the the tower? Oh, I mean, a I suppose with the or room. whatever. Yeah, but they do the Buckbeak thing one because it's a bummer that happens earlier that they get to undo. Yeah, and two because it explains the rules for how this works before we up the stakes to, to needing human. to get to Sirius yeah. and I mean, save him yeah the, the entire series is a, a is a massive example of Chekhov's gun just in the way that she leaves breadcrumbs and then goes back to them this one i think almost epitomizes it in uh how much it's used within the story itself it's a, it's a combination of her intentionally leaving guns on the mantle and then occasionally just going back to see what the room looked like and being like that GoPro over there. Yeah. That, <laughs> All right. I can make that important. Let's actually have this conversation because it was a great conversation on the forum that was had between Derek and everyone else about how much exactly <laughs> are we willing me. to say Joe really did plan this and how much is it just like she goes and back finds a detail, makes it important again in a second place and you're like, wow, she set it up back then. That's amazing how much she thought ahead. There are certain things there. There are certain things where it, it's a throwaway and maybe it doesn't it's not important. And you could, we could argue about that. There are certain things that it's like, there is no way that she said that so many times and had no plan for it. Yeah. You know? Certainly in this movie, you pointed out uh, as part of the argument that um, Dumbledore says, oh, you know, Tr- Trelawney has had at least one other yeah. hit with, a, with a, a, a prophecy. Right. And in fact, when they talk about the Peter Pettigrew prophecy, um, Dumbledore says, or no, when, when they talk about how... Uh, uh, Harry saved Pettigrew's life. Dumbledore very pointedly says, "That may help you in the future, yeah. Harry. You may yeah. that you may cut. so she, clearly she was thinking ahead in those in uh, those terms. Yeah. Broad strokes, yeah. yeah Without it, well, it, that, well, yeah. is it the broad strokes? I mean, because 
like the whole next movie is going to be about a Triwizard tournament we've never heard of right. in three movies. Right. For, well, despite this, despite the prize being eternal glory, everyone's like, what is that? No, yeah, no. So. Here's here's what I think in situations like that. It's probably that she knew that the fourth book was going to be Wormtail gets back to Voldemort, right, brings him back, part. and yes. she's like, all right, how do I get there? Right. All right, well, there's a tournament. Um, a second ago, Hermione is looking at Hermione, and she says, is that really what my hair looks like from the back? I would be willing to bet everything in my wallet right now that the original draft was, is that really what my butt looks like? And someone was like, there's no way you're putting that in the Harry Potter movie. Because is that what my hair looks like from the back makes no sense. Yes and no. I mean, From the kitchen. Yes, it does. Said the girl. Yeah. So I, I would argue, uh, just uh, to your point, Teague, pro- without any actual knowledge, uh, I would say probably 75% of all those drops are probably things that she did on purpose, and probably a couple of them are just I, going back and picking I, up on some things yeah. that I mean, I would say there well. are certain ones. There are cer- I mean, clearly she, she was occasionally making it up as she goes along. I think the things, I think it's very clearly when she has never mentioned something before and then it suddenly comes up. True. They just have flesh memories and wands can change allegiance. Yeah. And it's like, wait a damn minute here. Okay, and I gotta <laughs> there say, are these things called death eaters. I gotta say, there's no way yeah. that Deluminator no. that Dumbledore Oh, no way that was planned. Yeah. No, no way that, that wasn't. That, she, that she, in fact, I think she brought that back just to explain why he had some weird steampunk light switch yeah. thing. Well, everyone, well, cool. they, they call it like the put outer. I think there was an implication Originally, it felt like there was an implication that that's just a thing that wizards can do. And right. then later, it's like, nope, Dumbledore made that, and that's him, and that's him. I like to compare it to The Hobbit, in that The Hobbit clearly was written in a totally different mindset and right. in a different world, almost, than Lord of the Rings, uh, in that the tone is totally different. Um, not not completely. You can tell it's the same author, but it's like it's a much more lighthearted story, even though it's about you know, war and death and dragons and stuff. Right. It doesn't have nearly the same tone. Kyle, it just occurred to me that people make comparisons between like the Lord of the Rings universe and the pod universe a lot. And I always find them kind of spurious. And the only thing that I've ever thought that, Oh my God, that actually connects is that you could be a character in both series. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm too short to be haggard and too tall to be a dwarf. So I'd, I'd really be shunned in both communities. <laughs> oh, that's the worst. I know. Really? You have that's... like a half foot in each door. Yes. This is an executioner McNair turns out to be a Death Eater. Yes. yes. Although uh, they never, they don't mention his name. They don't name McNair in the movie. But and yes, in fact, I, th- I think they show McNair later in the movies or name drop him while they're yeah. firing when, their wands off. Yeah. And no, he what, looks nothing like the executioner. When he's at, uh, when he's, when they're in the, the graveyard with Voldemort. Yes. He, oh, yeah. He name drops him. So. Why hasn't Buckbeak uh, bitten Hermione? Because she never bowed to him, did she? Uh, maybe. Did she know. Yeah, she had ferrets. She has so ferrets with her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's good enough. Food's more important than honor. You bring him a ferret, he'll not bite you. Didn't you learn that? And uh, that I, I like how I'm surprised that they didn't all go. Oh, why didn't we just paralyze the tree? We let that thing s- smack our faces around, and we, yeah. he he uses the immobilis charm, which is the same one that she uses against. Is the, that what um, they use? Because in the books, it's just like no. there's a knot hole. There's at the a little bottom. knot, and and Crookshanks, Crookshanks can hit it. hits it. Yeah. Oh, that's the other thing Crookshanks yeah. does. That's the other he thing he accomplishes. He yeah. disappears. Well, and in he, the books, he. Crookshanks steals the passwords from Neville that allows Sirius to yeah, get into the. Yeah, it's a super smart cat that just yeah. Deus Ex Machina does, does their that, way yeah. through, the, through her. Yeah, because Sirius could talk to Crookshank. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because you know how Crookshanks dogs is, and cats get along. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, well, they that's get what along like dogs and cats. And <laughs> Crookshanks is not, a, is not a straightforward cat. There's, he's, a, he's at least part 
what's called a kneesel or kneesel. It's a it's a behind the scenes thing. But he's not just a straightforward cat. There's oh, it's like a half magical. Yeah, he's a half magical. So well, you're saying that Kitty has reached critical mass? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and we we lose a little bit of uh, you know the the oddness of Crookshanks because we. We are introduced to Crookshanks with Hermione already uh, having her rather than uh, her going and you know getting Crookshanks. Right, right. Crookshanks. There, I mean, there's a whole sequence. As it is at the beginning, Harry blows up Montmartre and then they're on the Hogwarts Express the next day, whereas it's he's he's at... He's uh, there for he, weeks. He stays there for at least yeah. a week, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think a couple of weeks, so he gets to know Diagon Alley and then the, <laughs> the guys, uh, you know, the Weasleys and Hermione show up. And they spend a day together the day before, and then they actually go straight to Hogwarts. Thank you guys for keeping Sweet. the donations coming. It looks like Nate Cowie's on his third beer. Thank you, Nate. That's 15 bucks. He said he put in five bucks for every beer he drinks. And we encourage everyone else to do that, too, because we like beer and we like trying to buy malaria nets. So, Think of it this so. way. If you drink until you literally die of alcohol poisoning, you will probably save more lives than you take. That's <laughs> terrible advice. That's, wow. Okay. I'm just We're, doing... Listen, um, it's simple math. Yeah, it's, it's, it's morality by math. Where did they land the car in the second movie? Uh, Where on did the, the car Willow. drive away? Yeah. Yes. Well, that's exactly it. This this geography can make no sense yeah. with the with the plot of the second. This movie. is the yeah. other one. Well, to be Willow. fair, I, I never got a clear picture of what the Hogwarts grounds looked like in my head. Right. I just kind of made it up because I was oh, like, where yeah. I decided the yeah. Great Lake was in, right. the, in the first few books didn't make sense for it to be there later. I was like, oh, I guess it's elsewhere. Yeah, this of is, all the details she gives, that is the geography is not part of it. Yeah, and and I think oh, this is how the a first squid? time that we really get yeah. uh, large sweeping outdoor shots. I mean, it's definitely not. I think the, there's a couple in the first two, but they're more just very basic establishing shots. This one really has the sweeping. This is the exterior. Get a feel mm -hmm. for where we are. And things. I am a grown man, and I know that these are actors. And when I watched this in preparation for doing this, uh, this scared me. Yeah, this shitless. scene right here. Oh, that's a net for Kyle. The, yeah. yeah. This is a, a bit, It's worth the, it. The one this, thing that I This don't, was scarier than the whole movie, The Wolfman. Yeah. The one thing that does that <laughs> I The one thing that bothers me about it is is the this, moment where it comes right where here. it comes crawling out behind them and they don't see it. The music Stops. notices it. No, the music oh. starts and it starts building and I'm like this would actually it's, be it's this, right this would be oh, much God. scarier if there was no music oh, indicating the werewolf. He's just looking yeah. at them, and he knows they're there. Yeah, the glowing eyes, the the glints of glowing eyes are are really and, great. And Harry just gives up, by the way. Yeah, Harry's like, okay, screw it, we're done here. At least Snape faced it. Yeah. So we're getting a lot of folks that are confused that we are not uh, just aping Warner Brothers and streaming the movies right now. Yeah. Yeah, we can't do that. They punch us, but. Uh, if you want to, you can totally pop in the DVDs that you have or go to Amazon and watch the movie with us. Or you don't have to. You can just listen to it like it's any other podcast. But we are What Are You Doing Movie. Uh, we're a bunch of people who largely work in the film industry, although we have a bunch of guests on mic today because it's a special event. Talk about movies. This is our 200th episode celebration. We're doing a 24-hour stream of it and uh, trying to get our way through all of the Harry Potter movies and raise 10 grand, which would buy a lot of malaria nets. And basically, if we do the 10 grand thing, uh, save 18,000 years of human life is how the math works out. So we're trying to raise 10 grand. No, we're not streaming the movies, but we're trying to do a good thing with it. And um, we have like two crates of Red Bull in the kitchen accordingly. I, yeah. I've decided I just you Warner Brothers could actually come over and punch us orally. We're in LA. They could come and punch us. For one of the movies, maybe like uh, Half-Blood Prince or, or, you know, uh, Order of the Phoenix, uh, that'll be 
really late at night, so a lot of the people who are going to be listening then presumably will be, you know, people overseas and things like that. And we got to really lower a ste- uh, stream. So for one of these commentaries, just to drum up some interest, I'm just going to pretend to be uh, Hagrid. <laughs> and just, just be like, yeah, it was really cold today. Yeah. And, and it Dan was so Radcliffe cold that night. was drunk and... <laughs> Emma Watson kept trying I'm just to glad get that in my you, pants. I'm just glad that you told us that because otherwise we would have thought, oh God, Kyle needs to take a nap. Yeah, Kyle's been awake. Kyle's long. just answering questions as someone he is not. Just just address me as Rob the whole time. <laughs> I like that they, uh, they uh, kept Hermione here to witness this. Uh, just if only because it cuts down on... Hey, a film threat retweet. Thank another, you, film threat. Uh, wow. it, it would be yeah. another exposition dump uh, that they would have to skip over. I love this moment. In the, in the books and in the movie, this is pure character that is now turning the plot. Yep. You know, Harry has, is realizing this is not his, it was not his father that did this, that saved me. It was me who did this. That means I can do this. He, he, he himself is changing and becoming self-realized yeah. at the same time that we are solving the problem of, we had all these Dementors who are going to kill us. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's, it's a, it is a story in a large part about, uh, like we said, him him realizing and understanding that Nobody else. I cannot always rely on somebody else to come and rescue me. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to learn to protect myself and take care of myself. Goodbye, Brian. So, bye, Brian. As, as much as I agree with that, I do. I do feel that in the book, it comes across a little bit forced that the only reason that he's able to finally do his Patronus is that he saw it. It's a weird cyclic loop that I'm not sure I really like. Mm. It, it kind of feeds itself a little bit too much because. There's no... The, well, he, there, yeah. here's our lantern hung as well. He's like, I knew I could do it because I did it already. And she's like, someone, what the hell are you talking someone about? Said, <laughs> someone said, compare the Harry Potter series to a malaria net. Uh, it compare saves it? children from misery. Hey, there oh, you go. Well done. Excellent. It's a thing that surrounds... It, give, it gives children hope. It's a thing that can surround Bombarda, one or more people. And uh, No, Kyle's is better. I'm done. Yep. Yeah, well, I, I worked on the movies. I was a major star, so maybe you could, <laughs> maybe you could bow to my expertise. All right, here. someone go get the stick. Kyle's broken again. <laughs> yeah, it's basically a two by four, but I wrote on it with a sharpie. Yeah, that works. Yeah, I had a different joke, but I'm gonna leave it because <laughs> this is for the children. <laughs> I mean, they won't listen to it because you know. But I, I mean, I guess they might. <laughs> It's okay. I, I've talked myself into a corner here, and I can't get out of this without something like racist that. or xenophobic <laughs> or something. To go back to the movie, go I like that fountain. Yeah. I like that set piece that they've designed for oh, the yeah. fountain. But that 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 single spigot just sticking out of the water is like, wow, that's the most unmagical thing in this entire set. I like it's just okay. It's I like that. The, well, I like that the fountain is is slightly Mexican inspired. It's an eagle fighting a snake, well, uh, which is we've already established that. Uh, so Gryffindor fighting Slytherin. No, because uh, Gryffindor's so. a lion. Isn't, well... Ravenclaw fighting Slytherin. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Mm, is Ravenclaw an eagle? Yeah. I thought, you'd think it would be a raven, but no, yeah, I would. it's an eagle. <laughs> it's an eagle Logic. with a raven's claw. Yeah, that, see, that's Now, this is, this is a good moment. I would have thought Gryffindor would be a door. I think, I think by this point, the Sirius is, he's doing a, a pretty good thing. And, and I, I like... He's still got the haunted quality here that he almost lost in the in the previous. But then he shows up in the next thing. one and he's all like, "Hey." Yeah. Well, in the fifth one, yeah, he's totally like, "Yeah, I got my uh, velour suit yeah. on." He's got like <laughs> his shirts like, unbuttoned down to here, and he's got like a yeah. Well, I went back. He went back home, and that was the only clothes he had left since before he clothes went to prison. The right. They were like from the eighties, <laughs> and somehow they're still. 
Oh, he manages to make it work. Good point uh, from Maria Porazzo in the in the chat. I hope I said that right. I'm sorry. Uh, but this the the Patronus is the moment when Harry becomes the great. I mean, he he becomes the great wizard everyone thinks he is because he can. Fi- he finally does something that other people cannot do. Other That's people right, his right. age cannot do. And in fact, the, that that speaks to the whole theme of the movie. The theme of this film is identity. Yeah. Um. The, we learn, you know, the secret identity of. Uh, Lupin, we learn the identity of Scabbers, we learn the identity of sort of the identity of, uh, of Sirius Black, and Harry himself gains an identity. And, and he, he also gains family, no. mm-hmm. um, which is part of that identity. And what makes him, yeah, yeah and I, I said earlier, it's the beginning of a Saw movie. And, and what makes Harry great, the, what he finds in himself that makes him a great wizard, is being able to push past what happened to him and find positivity. Which is thematic, probably. I love that Dumbledore moment. That's the that's that is the probably quintessential Dumbledore yeah. moment. Where he yeah. he does a really great job. Did what? I love how Ron's Ron's on like painkillers and he's just like what? <laughs> uh, but, but there's also the fact Magic. of all yeah of all things it's like they they live in the magical world and and there's still at times where they're like something weird just happened. Like he, <laughs> <laughs> well, what's going like, on? That's even strange for us. Well, it's like he probably would have assumed they apparated, but like first, like Hermione like grabbed him and pulled him in and put a yeah. necklace around his neck. He's like, hey baby, let's go. And then all of a sudden they're walking in the door and he's like, wait a minute, what'd you do? Hey Michael. Yes. Do you wish that Quaron had stuck around? Yes, absolutely. That- I lo- uh, and if not necessarily stuck around. Uh, then certainly come back. I think he he yeah. could have brought a lot to you know uh, injected some some new magic into uh, you know if he could if there were other films maybe if he had maybe a, a uh, if he had Newell's film and and a Yates film and he came back for Half Blood Prince maybe yeah. Uh, yeah. so he he could see new stuff. Not to be all like fan winky about it, but pick a movie for him to have. Uh, if I had Prince. to. If I had if yeah, I had yeah. to, I'd well, pick Deathly Hallows. Well, no, it well, wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be Half Blood mm. Prince because I actually think that movie works really well. I think that movie is true. actually yeah. better than yeah. I think. I think it's color graded within an inch of its I, life. I, 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 think don't, <laughs> I don't know if I'd want him to finish out the series though. Uh, I, Especially with my, the way the conclusion of this fell just a little flat. I guess that's true. If yeah, if he, if he was well, not that not that Yates did much of a better job with oh, the yeah. with the big yeah. the big reveal. But. That's true. I think his stylisticness would have been interesting for for Deathly Hallows. What do you think of Chris Columbus's Deathly Hallows Part Two? I don't think he could have hacked it. I'm not sure what that would be. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you what it, it would be. It would be more it literal. Would, it would be like literal. Yeah, Hogwarts is on fire, and bear in and mind, he gets a really sweet, pretty shot of it, and John Williams goes la la. Bear in mind, <laughs> bear in mind though, he would have seen the other other movies. And oh, you mean coming back? Coming back. Yeah. I don't think, but we we talked about it before. I don't think that that. Bear Columbus. The, guy, the, the guy made Gremlins. He wrote Gremlins. He wrote Gremlins. But I, I, and bear in mind, yeah. the guy wrote Gremlins. Yeah, but I, I think <laughs> the 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 thing is, like we we talked about, his other movies are all about the same. He's he's yeah. had an opportunity to kind of grow as an artist, and he. I just hasn't feel really bad over for the crapping of his on. So his fault now. He's not. I, when, he's like, not terrible. I mean, we he's keep got more saying of a, like he's not terrible. We don't like the movies, but he's not bad. <laughs> he's not terrible. He's they're <laughs> no, perfectly well, watchable. There's lots no, of terrible movies out well, there. Well, I mean, that here's the, here's watchable. the issue, and I'm going to try to talk while I'm updating the stream at the same time. Watch it break. No, here's the issue. It's not that he's terrible or did a bad job. He didn't do either a bad job or even a mediocre job. He did a very fine unimpressive job but and it's a quality that doesn't get spoken of because it doesn't make for good conversation i think that's exactly what the series needed we talked about it a bit earlier i think if you start the series off with terry gilliam directing harry potter everyone no one cries com- and quits. no one yes, comes to see a second movie so, i no no one comes to see that movie now 
you know, 15 years later or whatever, it wasn't that long, but I can't math right now. Uh, 13 years later, everybody everybody comes back and goes, this movie is amazing. They should have let him do a sequel. It's like, yeah, but it made five bucks. So what so are you going to do? Basically what happened was like you trusted Chris Columber with, Chris Columber. Chris, Chris Columbo. Chris Cucumber. <laughs> Excuse me, what's going you on? You trusted Chris Columbus with dinner for two nights in a row, and he made Hamburger Helper both nights, and it tasted exactly the same both nights. <laughs> yeah. And then Alfonso Cuaron came in, and he was like, snails! <laughs> <laughs> and, and everyone went... I was like, well, that's, it's not Hamburger Helper. <laughs> yeah. It's a fireball. Can, can I just... And it's a, it's, a, it's a delicacy some places, so... Yeah. yeah. Completely unrelated to our discussion. I just want to say there are a lot of skulls in the defense of dark arts uh, yeah. office. I understand that, you know, studying the, you know, to the dark arts, that just seems a little bit too many skulls. Yeah. I'm sorry. No one like Hogwarts is the kind of place where no one questions a human skull. Yeah. Too many well, skulls. Exactly. Which skulls would you take away, Seth? Every third. <laughs> now, this is a very odd ending. Yeah, oh, that is wow. odd ending. It's like the end of Newsies. However, I forgot that. I how, forgot that. However, like, I'm not sure how you... I like. I almost like the fact that it ends yeah. in that way without a big, like, dun-dun-dun-dun, like, sweeping away from... What it's ending on, and um, I don't know, you know, how, how much he was necessarily thinking about it, but this is the last time that there is... A happy ending. A happy ending. ending. Yeah. This is the last time that... that it, a movie ends with any sort of hope for Harry's future until the very end, and even then, the 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 end up until the epilogue is is a very bittersweet. Literally every future. single movie or book after this ends with like body bags, at least. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Every single film, starting with the next one, every single Cedric film Sirius, ends Dumbledore, with death. Everyone. Yeah, and and yeah, exactly. In 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 uh, well, Deathly Hallows Part One is Dobby, and then Part Two is like half the characters <laughs> yeah. are are murdered every five minutes. So, um. So yeah, that I think that was as strange as it was at the time in the context of the full story. I think it is actually probably the right ending. I don't know how. I I, I can't think of a a, a better. I don't ending. know about I, a I freeze. Might. Maybe like he goes past it. It's a wipe or something. But like freezing on his face, it just feels like the end of Newsies. Uh, yeah. it, the freeze in the motion blur. Yeah. Can I just? It actually reminds me of the end of that thing you do, which well, isn't yeah. a better comparison. <laughs> Uh, we we kind of skipped over it a bunch during the actual movie, but since we're watching the credits, which are mirroring it, I really loved their interpretation of the Marauders yes, map. Yes, yes, it's a it's a beautifully it done visual me. effect. It was it was very difficult to. Well, it's not just the visual effect. I love the well, prop right, because right, right. because it was difficult for me to understand when in the book it's like okay it's it described shows, as a scrap of parchment yeah it's a scrap of parchment i'm like how is that going to show all of actually now with an ipad it's like well clearly he just pinched yeah. zooms and, <laughs> right. the, uh, and and just pans around that's how you get around but uh, at the time i was like how would you do that and the fact that it unfolds and reveals you know yeah. lower See, now i didn't think of it better. as footprints though i saw little stick figures in my head Oh, so you could okay. identify who was who. A the art better. department in your so. brain is kind of lazy. Well, right. But that, uh, <laughs> and and the, by the, the idea, way, we, the we should switch it out because figures. we aren't going to be in this long enough to see the sex thing because it's way deep. I waited a yeah, long. Yeah, Dorkman. Oh, really? Where does uh, Azkaban fit in your pantheon? I'm assuming since it's Quaron and you're all like sappy and filmmaker guy over there. Yeah, I'm it's going to be your favorite. All is it your favorite business. or is it your second favorite, third favorite? Uh, like I would, as far as as far as films go. Um, 
like I said before, the well, Prisoner of Azkaban is no longer my favorite book because Deathly Hallows brought it in for just such a great landing, but it's my second favorite. Your criteria is film, not adaptation plus film or just adaptation, right? You're talking about I watch these movies and judge them and rate them based on their quality as a standalone picture. Uh, it's a, I guess it's a little bit of both. It's, it's what weighted tells, a bit, it, it, but if that's you're a big fan of the, the books, best. it's really hard to separate. Yeah, it's, it's tough to separate, but I think this one, um, as Anthony was saying, I think this one really nails the tone of the book. Um, I I think, I think perhaps like he said, uh, Columbus didn't take the previous, uh, I was saying earlier that, that Quaron took too much of a leap stylistically, but, but I think, I think what Anthony said is more correct in that, uh, Columbus didn't, didn't aid the transition. He just stuck on hamburger helper and didn't do anything in the middle to, to. Kyle, you were trying to defend him, and you gave us the perfect thing to say about him that's kind of demeaning. No, 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 no. I love Hamburger Helper. Like, if you make, it, <laughs> if you make Hamburger Helper right, you know what you're going to get every single time. It's been a long it time, but not, I love Hamburger Helper lasagna. It is not better you, say. than anything else you could make, but you know for a fact it's a known quantity. Yeah. If you like that food, it will be the same I, every time. I was, I was certainly excited, um, in part because I was baffled when when because i had just seen itomama tambien when when it was announced that look at you with pronunciation Coron was going to direct this and i was like excuse me because that is the one of the most explicit sexual movies that i've ever seen I've that's never not seen an it. actual porno, pornographic film um i mean there there is really explicit sexuality. you're listing all the selling points yeah, other than i'm not saying it's a bad thing i'm just saying you watch that and then they go and yeah so now he's going to do the third harry potter movie and it's like what? <laughs> that is a jump, yeah. And and just casually mentioned that Hermione's dating a centaur. Yeah. So and then, but <laughs> but he brought a, a wonderful kind of freedom to it, and I think I think the fact that he felt free to do it uh, gave the the other films an opportunity, whether or not they took it, um, uh, or whether or not they did the right thing with it, is is up for debate. But he basically came in and said, "You do not have to be a prisoner to the books." You can make these can be films too, and and right. this is this is almost the point where it diverges. And the best thing for fans to do, I think, um, until Deathly Hallows kind of uh, damages the ability to do this, is to think of them did, as two did different. Did you catch series. what just happened in the credits? There's what? a lot of cool stuff like they that. They did the diagonal. A guy, a, no, a guy walked into a into a room marked Stink Bomb Store, and then a second after he walked in, like six sets of footprints ran out of it. <laughs> There's just cool stuff like that happening all through this, and when because I was watching for the infamous uh, little. E- sex easter egg uh and it takes forever to yeah. get there but as i watch it i got a huge amount of respect for whoever did this because all of the feet do something somewhat interesting uh like jumping over a name yeah. or doing something but the cool. uh anyway i've been i've been uh, yammering point, in a circle around the point and the the point is that i i do think this is probably one of the the best made films it's certainly the best self-contained um of the films and it and it was another step for for people to stand on the shoulders of. I don't think they. I don't think anybody took it as far from him. I think he was trying to kick the ball, and he's like, "Okay, guys, you take it next." And nobody kicked it as far as he did, <laughs> um, unfortunately. Uh, but um, I I appreciate what he brought to it, and I appreciate the the freshness and the ability that he opened up to to tell people you can make these films. They don't have to be staged readings. And as, as far as it goes, this is still my favorite. What about, what about you, Derek? Uh, to that point, uh, wait, hold on. Oh, okay. I, I, just to that point, it's not only Corona. I think we have to really respect the producers and obviously uh, Rowling, uh, Rowling for allowing to basically saying, well, we've done those two. Yes, you can do. You know, <gasps> they, they didn't try and really hold him back from going in this much of a deviation from what had come before. 
Derek, how about you? Where is Azkaban uh, on your list? This is high on my list, but not really at the top. Uh, I, and I mean, the problem is I didn't read the books before watching these. So I was very confused about the relationship between mm. Lupin and Sirius Black and if they were really working together the whole time. Because as soon as they meet each other, they like clap hands around each other. So it's like, oh, they were working together the whole time. But if you read the books, they, they, weren't. They, they aren't. And nor were they in the movies. In, in this movie, it's made clear that is the first time they've seen each other since all this went down. It's just Sirius was when, when yeah, Lupin, Lupin walked clear. in and disarmed Harry Sirius immediately was like, Oh, he knows what's up. And Lupin was like, I know what's up. And so they were <laughs> like, okay, well then cool. Let's kill the rat and, <laughs> and go home. Right. But, yeah. but as a, as a first time viewer, I can see that, that was the first time they'd ever, uh, you know, talk to each other since, since they went away. Wow. I mean, that person's bored and tapping his foot. Yeah. yeah. Do, do, do. Wow. We need to get. We need to get moving. We got a whole bunch of greater admission topics. So let's wrap this up. Okay. Um, Kyle, Are we see, Kyle uh, and Seth, Snape and Trelawney uh, uh, getting it on. I'll be perfect. I'll be perfectly honest. I when I rewatch the series, I honestly don't get much past this one, mainly because yeah. other yeah. things yeah. come up. Uh, so of the ones that I generally rewatch, this watch is my Seth favorite. like just walk away in the middle of a sentence. Like, <laughs> I never get past this one. Uh, of the ones I watched, this is my favorite. I'm looking forward to, uh, over the course of the rest of the day, uh, revisiting the rest of the series yeah. and hopefully updating my, uh, my remembrance. That was serious. His, his footprints would from human footprints to fall prints. Cool. Kyle? Uh, it, it's, it's snails and I respect it. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely a brave leap. I would say it is the first movie in the series that I would say that feels like someone told me a Harry Potter story instead of that's a Harry Potter story made into a movie. Mm. Uh, if that, if that makes yeah. any sense, yeah. the, the, the feel of it after it's over, I'm like, yeah, Harry Potter. It is not the same story as the book. And as much as I think the story that the book tells, the way it tells the story is better, but it accomplishes giving me the feeling that a Harry Potter story should in a way that the Chris Columbus ones don't. And I really respect it for that. Is it my favorite one in the series? No. Um, because, uh, it, you know, there's just some things missing from it, but I definitely, definitely enjoy it. And, uh, yeah. Cool. This has been, what are you, uh, you, you live people, you stick around. We're going to keep doing this. We're not stopping yet, but this is for the episode later that you can download. It's a free DVD quality commentary from friends in your What up? Anyway, uh, this has been, what do you do movie? You can always find more episodes at friends in your Subscribe to iTunes. Get a brand new episode every single week. Twitter.com slash friends in head facebook.com slash friends in your head and friends in your head at gmail.com go to the forum great community of people and it's growing bigger every single day buy our shirts give us money on paypal we're not asking we're just saying holden hill this guy right here designing him on the website and until next week my name is t christy seth brower kyle this has been what are you doing movie thank you much for listening good night good night friends in your head.com